1: Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm
2: Pete, and
1: I like to dream of electric
2: sheep. Hi, guys. This is Joe, and I think I'm going to be rolling this one with advantage.
3: Hi, this is John, and I have no idea why I'm here.
0: Hey, everybody. This is Kayla, and I got my first piece of fan art. Yay. Yay. (laughs)
1: Jealous. (laughs) So jealous.
0: Cass Hums, if you're out there, thank you, sweetheart. I'm it's a l- beautiful,
1: lovely shade of
2: jade green with jealousy. <laughs> yeah, at least you have a character uh, to the, have. That's the level of the puns. Now we understand. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> at least you have a character that can be uh, fan arted. As the DM, as the DM, I've got DM s- squadoosh. As
1: the DM, you are God, and you actually appear in all pictures.
0: You know, I'm gonna send her a picture of you. <laughs>
3: Anyhow? I'm, just, I'm just envisioning, like, a blank sheet, a blue sky, nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. And
1: then underneath it just says, Joe the DM. Right. <laughs>
3: or, you know, the red golem from the original, you know, DM guide. Give me give me
2: the statue of Moloch.
1: <laughs> yep,
3: yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. You two get a geek point for that.
0: Already.
3: <laughs> and we're starting early. Going yeah. deep.
0: So we're sitting around the table with uh, Big John. As he is known to pretty much everyone, um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> who has uh, has been around since since as he puts it, dinosaurs roam the internet, and uh, he's he's got some stories for us. Tell us how you got started in this geeky world.
3: Wow. Land far, far away, long time ago. <laughs> just to blender that completely. <laughs> now, I, I was trying to think about like where it really started because you guys asked me to do this, and I'm like, wow, okay, let's unwind. And we have talked about it so many times. They're like, you need to come do this on tape. Um, and yes, I'm old enough to call it tape. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, 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 okay, so he referred to his tape. Chris referred to it as the radio. Radio, be yeah, all not radio. I, I see, but your radio still exists. Tape, not so much anymore. But yeah, okay. um I came up with it. I started as really a wargamer, and I played Chainmail. And who gets a point for knowing what Chainmail is? Well, that, would,
2: <laughs> that would be the fantasy miniature rules that Gary Gygax came up go. with.
3: Good
0: job. Point for Joe. Yep. This was way past
1: all of me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I Over played, my head. I, I played Chainmail because I was a war gamer into strategy games. And it was kind of like the Avalon Hill battle games and things like that. In fact, the first and I played was this, we're going to be nice and call it a booklet. It had staples involved. Um, It may have been Xeroxed. I don't know. I need some
1: clarification based on what I know of early eighties D &D. and D. When you say pamphlet, is this the one that had like a pentagram on it? I was generally told no, no, no. 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 This This involved devil worship. This is not the chick track. (laughs) Tom Hanks was like, "Don't (laughs) do it." No, no, no.
3: We'll we'll get to the eighties in Satanic. That's just a whole nother story. But no, this was. Are these little brown books? Uh, no, before that, there was. I think he was Erox. Honestly, I I don't ask, and you know, comprehend. this is
1: D&D's Tijuana Bible. Yeah, pretty right? much. Yeah, <laughs> and it
3: was it was stapled together. And to play it, you had to have the Chainmail game and one of the old Avalon Hill games yes. for the battle rules. Yes, you had to have the other two games, and then you bought the pamphlet, and it basically added character classes to your miniature war game.
2: Yeah, so this would be, like, white book.
3: Yeah. This, this well, I mean, would be,
2: was... well, white, white pamphlet. <laughs> okay,
3: we're talking bad Xerox machine job here. And then we played with that for a while, and then, you know, somebody got a, a you know, shit ton of money <laughs> and bought the big three books of the original AD&D, because that was our step up, which was, you know, again, Fred Gollum on the front of the DM's guide, you know, the... Uh, uh, who would you call that statue in the player's guide? Uh,
2: the statue on the player's guide actually is Moloch.
3: It is Moloch. Okay. Right, it is Moloch. The the oh, former
2: called? prince, uh, one yeah. of the former uh, princes of Hell. Didn't That's mis- another point for Joe. Yeah, didn't
3: want to misquote that one. I was like, um, they'll kill me. Yeah. So, so, so the white pamphlet- so much internet rage. So yeah. the, <laughs> the, the, the white
2: pamphlets, the the white booklets, um, were the ones that like Gary basically copied, you know, photocopied whatever, mm-hmm. stapled together, boxed, shipped out of his basement and mm-hmm. then when they moved into like actual TSR offices in Lake Geneva. Yeah.
1: So for clarification, so it was a separate pamphlet that you would get mm-hmm. with uh, its own rules as an independent game, but you also mm-hmm. needed yeah, the yeah. other ones in order to play yes. it, which in current video game culture is what we would call a standalone expansion. Is that essentially what it was? Uh-huh.
3: It, it 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 was a game that added to the original game by putting a what we would now call RPG element into a standard war game. Um,
2: so you needed the chainmail for for the for the war game part. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the it was like for wilderness travel. Yeah, and you needed that pamphlet from another game yep. <laughs> to be able to because basically it was oh they, they took the idea of the game is your army in a dungeon. Basically, it started with your army on battlefield. Then we moved your army into a dungeon. And now, hey, you want to move your army through the forest.
1: So, (laughs) for those of us Mm -hmm. more recent to D&D and tabletop role-playing games, (laughs) for those of us who say, particularly those who are slightly more like D&D adjacent, Mm -hmm. who are like, okay, so you you guys play this game, and there's like 80 different kinds of dice and there's minimally like three full-sized books that you need to start playing your game, mm-hmm. what you're saying is that even with all of this, we should still feel like we're the entitled um, first-world problems generation because back then you needed to hunt down all of these. De- it was its mm-hmm. own side quest just to was, get the game. It yes.
3: And, 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 of course, dice manufacturing was unheard of back then, so just getting a hold of a D20 was an interesting problem. Yeah. Um, Pete, Pete, I'm going to need you to hold your socks for a moment.
2: Are you Are you dropping I'm gonna, I'm the soap drop in there, and then you're going to hit me over the head with it? No, I was going to drop some knowledge on you. Oh, oh. So, so the original sets of Damn dice. Man, I forgot to wear socks tonight. <laughs> so, so the original sets of dice that came were were you know the D six, the D four, the D eight, the D twelve, and the D twenty, mm-hmm. and that's all because they're platonic ideals. Yes. The D ten you'll notice was missed off that list. They used to make a D20 and they just have it go zero to nine twice. Mm-hmm. The D20, di- the D10 didn't get made until like the early 80s. So
1: part of me wants to give you a geek point for this. Part of me just wants to leave the spot where I am sitting and come sit in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> like, I <don't> know, <laughs> was... let's, let's, let's call that a point. Yeah, yeah, that's that was an extreme emotional
2: reaction yeah. I just got from that. Yeah. A- and at some point in the production of D&D they couldn't keep up with dice like manufacturing dice so they gave you chits yes. with numbers on it he went, Phew.
3: wow <laughs> hmm. yeah my my one of my first programs i wrote on a really computer we won't name in the machine code was to roll dice because i could not afford or find 8020 and now wow. it's 2019
1: and we download dice apps for those days when we exactly. can't find our dice. You know, I
3: was it was it was, you know, literally a little machine that had nothing but a hex keyboard and a display and it was like I need to roll a d20. Well, if I take sixes and I throw them all together and add it, well, that's 36 and maybe we'll do the math and so I wrote a little assembly program to do it probably horribly inconsistent with its random numbers, but that was how it started. Well, well it comes full circle. And, you know, now we're back again. Yeah. <laughs> but because the interesting thing was and I still worry about this and stuff is when I started, I was in game, which was miniatures on a board, you know, square hex. And then D&D, and my friend got very much into D&D right at that point. He was the guy who got the three books. I probably got them for Christmas or whatever. (laughs) We weren't that good. Um, The board immediately got thrown out and it was all theater of the mind. And that was kind of the the level of the basic D&D players played with the map, the advanced D&D players played with no map. Nice. It was all in your mind. Nice. And that sucked me in. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I loved my big battlefield coordinations, as soon as you got down to I'm one character on the battlefield, on the battlefield coordination didn't mean as much to me anymore. Because I'm used to playing things like the great wallet suck of Warhammer forty K and things like that, where it's like, okay, I've got, you know, fifty guys against your fifty guys, and we're gonna spend the next six months of our lives doing five minutes of battle.
1: <laughs> it is super, super, super cool and interesting to me to hear that you came from this perspective of a bigger war mm-hmm. game style and when presented with the concept of zooming into the minutia of an individual mm-hmm. in of an individual Mm-hmm. Um, like, and then the theater of the mind aspect of it, like that—that that just locked you in and sucked you in.
3: It, 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 I mean, I still am a big war gamer, and I love you know large scale stuff. But the theater of the mind, and again, you know, you're talking about you know, I was probably like ten at the time, but it was, I need a piece of paper, a pencil, and a pile of dice that I had a program to do. That's all I needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to bring. Uh, miniatures I couldn't afford and you know miniatures back then were like okay this bottle cap is and this piece of cardboard I doodled on is because I yeah. couldn't afford miniatures and of course miniatures were laid of lead back then so they'd probably kill everybody anyway now <laughs> 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 but you know it was just this, this whole evolution of I can throw all this away just keep it in my mind and yeah you know live in the, the horrors of taco <laughs> 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 you know and you know just you know and then they, of course they made the DM shield couple of years later and it's like oh my god i can throw away this stack of xeroxes i've got you know yeah. and you know the idea of being able to invent a scenario because most of your war games were based on battle of the bulge and you know reenactment mostly world war Two, yeah. some civil war and yeah, okay we get spacey we'll just gotta throw some stuff on the table
2: mm-hmm. this
3: was okay you're in a forest mm-hmm. and in this forest Minotaurs grow trees and have an apple farm. You know, whatever. You know, you know right. Do anything you want, and um, I couldn't afford to really play a lot of D and D, but I had friends who did so I played a lot of campaigns, and I got very heavy into the Steve Jackson games,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: yeah. I was a huge Jackson fan, which is having a nice recurrence now. And I've yes, I actually did fund his Kickstarter and get every single old game back.
0: That's a geek, <laughs> yeah. absolutely.
3: Um, and you know, Car Wars. Car Wars oh. was. A war game with cars. Um, the basic premise for those of us not old, um, again, it's going back. Was you know, it's the far future. Cars need guns. I think they do now, but that's a whole other I, conversation. I was going to say, is that really <laughs> the far future? And Detroit started making them stock, and it was an entire game based on this, but it was a very war gamey feel to it and sure enough within i don't know maybe two years the expansion came out to put a guy in the car and the guy had hit points we didn't call him that but they were hit points but he had like five mm-hmm. you know and now your car had, driver had skills and skills could give you modifiers on your car and wow here we go again we're back into rbgs and it was like wait a minute you've corrupted yet another one of my war games and then we found org and it was a whole nother issue
2: yeah no i i for me, Car Wars was, like, the second RPG that mm-hmm. I played after D&D, and I remember, like, the the Car Wars thing was, like, a pamphlet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've You've heard of that. $5 box. I,
1: yeah. I personally did not ever play Car Wars, but I knew a few people who would tell me about it.
3: Well, the thing is, Jackson had this ingenious idea of $5 games, and he machined them out and some were amazing and I play them to this day and some not too much <laughs> like anything I mean that's how it is you yeah. know but you know things like Illuminati Car Wars Org um, Little Green Men from Outer Space there's a whole bunch of these um, and like I said it's just re-released all of them in the original little boxes that's cool yeah. and the idea was that for five dollars you could make it now this was a small plastic shell case you know clamshell case and a pamphlet some cardboard you cut out yourself and that's about it yeah, and you were lucky if it had cardboard. It was more like cardstock, or sometimes it was just mm-hmm. paper. And you're Xeroxing and making your own to make modifiers. And they weren't even in color in some of them, but it was enough to play the game. And he had this whole model of just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And Car Warstock, stock, and if, like I said, a few of these other ones. But you know, again, he was you know, I'm a wargamer. I'm not going to do this RPG stuff. And sure enough, in a year, it's like, and we're going to just add character players and stuff. And
2: <laughs> and then Steve Jackson would be notorious for run rolling out.
3: Oh, yes. I hadn't gotten that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in and, terms and, and of... And the great hacking panic of, you know, late 80s. <laughs> in,
1: in terms, though, of like, you know, you started with war games and mm. then discovered that the minutiae of, of an individual is, is interesting in storytelling that comes mm-hmm. with it. And then you were like, okay, I'm going to migrate back to, to war-type games and do car wars. And then they were like, well...
3: And here we go again.
1: Here we go again. But, Whoa. you know, it's a testament to mm-hmm. this, like, peanut butter and chocolate concept that, yep. you know, there are things that just work well together.
3: Yeah. And the, I mean, the other thing was TSR went on this rampage through the 80s of every genre they could machine out. Oh. All of them, you know, and you know, I picked up on Gamma World. I play a little Top Secret. Um, those are the big two. There are a few others. There's a Western one. Boot Hill. Boot Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also did the. They also.
2: They also did the Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Phase Rip. We don't. We don't talk. Ribbing. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also one of the one of the. They also were trying to buy some IPs. So like one of the things they did make was a. Uh, Indiana Jones game. Oh God, was it's there one? Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, and, I realized that. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and and from from what I've heard, some folks discussing it, basically like the modules dictated you. You didn't get to make your own character. You had to play.
3: Yeah, spoiler paid. Uh,
2: you had to play as as an indie character, and the module would tell you which indie characters you could play in that module. So mm-hmm. maybe you played indie, maybe you played indie in, in short round, maybe you played indie and. Uh, Charlie, was that her? Willie? No. Willie. Yep. No, he threw that module in the garbage.
3: <laughs> yeah. Which is funny, because I always see that as kind of a predecessor to a lot of, maybe not modern modern, but recent modern games of you can do these six characters and he's got armor and he's the tank and he's the speedy and he's yeah. the you know just you know, all these different archetypes you know so. yeah this
1: this balance of of yeah <clears throat> of class balance. And, and
3: some of them were not i would say play tested as well as some of others and you kind of modified and fixed it and you know we are talking about the infamous gurps jackson saw this 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 hole it needed to be filled apparently of generic universal role-playing system gurps which was build an entire system with no genre whatsoever, and then produce tons and tons of books on systems, which did pretty well. I mean, it was a playable system. It was fairly well balanced as long as you got the translation correct, and he ran into the great hacker scare of the late 80s, which, you know, pretty much put him in retirement. But <laughs>
1: Well, you know, too, um, I, there's, there's always that reality that you, you put these systems out, and your, you've got a couple of different kinds of players, as I'm sure we all know <laughs> and have encountered, and you've got those those people who, yeah, if you didn't play test your system well, they are going to break this shit out of it. Yep. Um, but in my experience with the... I've been very fortunate. Most of the groups that I have played with, mm-hmm. um, you know, we want to just enjoy the experience, and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll come across a rule, and that rule is broken, and you house rule it, and you fix it, and you make it work. So-
2: there's that. Yeah. There's also though where the games are designed, or, or the, the games are put out, and you you question like how much thought did the designers give into making this uh, this actually playable? Um, one game, uh, my my childhood best friend Dana and I spent many weekends trying to figure out how to make a character in the Middle Earth role playing Oh game.
1: that system was not good. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So there's there's you know, there's different levels. And and I know with Gurps, uh you know, and GURPS I think is in its sixth edition now or seventh mm-hmm. edition. Yep. Um you know, they've always kept very true to that this is a generic engine yep. and then we're going to have, you know, have Ken Height right? the Mm-hmm. Uh, World War Weird uh, stuff for it, or the Call, you know, our yeah. Cthulhu version, or, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, or our superhero version and, and roll it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's interesting with, with GURPS, especially because Steve Jackson, moved, you know, because they were doing it generic, because they moved away from a class system to a skill system and it's mm-hmm. point by and, you know, flaws and disadvantages. I mean, he's really probably one of the first game designers that put that into a system. Um, you know, because you, you you know, 1974, you have you have Dra- Dungeon and Dragons come out. I think 76 Traveler
3: shows up. Well, that, that, that's the thing where I was heading to is that what we did is we wound up taking bits and pieces. The group I played with was, yeah, this is great. Let's expand it. We've played enough D D modules. I mean, we had the Tomb of Horrors. Yes, we all played it. Had to be done. Um, the we kept rolling okay let's bring this in let's bring this in let's just go wild with it and you know we had things like uh one of the guys came up with the dm okay a portal opens at your house in reality right now you have one hour to collect anything you can that is in your house provable and take with you to a dnd adventure and it will be converted appropriately i love that you know <laughs> and you know I'm an engineer by trade. I am surrounded by machines, as further evident. So, you know, I'm grabbing a laptop, which becomes this book of all knowledge and, you know, Mm. solves puzzles. And, you know, one guy has got probably a hundred knives at his house. And everybody's like, yeah, we all agree he's got a hundred knives at his house, you know, and he's got knives and he's got the, and one skill of yours would be amplified to an absurd level. So the knife guy can throw any sharpened object and hit on point, you know, once, that's super you know, cool. Um, you know, and it just did this idea of bringing... We, we all role-played so much that we actually warped back around to let's play ourselves you know, in this idealized world with our stuff, but stuff we can't have. And you know, we started pulling in from other games, and I found Traveler uh, right around that time when, when I was experimenting with all different games, and I'm a big sci-fi nut, so I started pulling in things from that. And it was things like there was this game that no one's ever heard of called Universe, and it was the same thing. It took, like, three days for me to build a character sheet for it. It was impossible. <laughs> and, but I had this map. And it was all of the known universe, as we knew it at that point, with X, Y, and Z coordinates for everything and Pythagorean theorem calculations for distances between things. And, we're like, and we'll take that map. And that's now a traveler map. And, you know, we just started sucking in things. So all these cross-genre things started getting in place. And, oh, we like this GURPS rule about this distance on this thing. We're going to swap out that and move this, and we'll convert this a little bit. And these weird Frankenstein games started going. Love it. You know, just to keep rolling because there was so much stuff coming out, and everybody was kind of into it, And but it was being machined out. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to to go with the bad reference, it was like Stephen King books. Yes, I love his books, but let's face it, you know, five a week, it's a little bit much sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you're just pulling bits and pieces. And we started just going out. And, you know, of course, the end of this was the decline of D&D, the great satanic panic stuff we went through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the the hacker panic that killed Jackson and that early system. And, you know, all of a sudden it's just poof and it's gone. Yeah. And D&D guys are, well, we're geeks in our parents' basements and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and a few of us are like, no, 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 we're we're doing fine. We're just hiding in a corner somewhere. One day we'll reemerge, you know. <laughs> the sun will strike us again, you know. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. I, I love the fact that, I mean, I don't know, what would you say, like last five, six years?
4: Yeah.
2: Or,
3: yeah, I, I would say. It was, just came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, I would say with, with the introduction of 5th edition in mm-hmm. 2014, the the D&D and, the, the D and, D and, and, and nerd culture in general just really reared up and, yeah. you know.
4: Uh,
3: I think a lot of it started coming out of, you know, again, the computer and the engineering where, mm-hmm. you know, geeks began, you know, nerds began to rule the universe. You know, get your right mm-hmm. terminology. Um, and then all of a sudden, all the things that nerds did in the closet started becoming cool because nerds were cool because, you know, there's money rolling in with the dot-com boom. And now all of this stuff is coming back, and everybody's kind of taking a look at it, going, "Wow, that isn't as worse as we thought."
2: I, you know, so I started gaming slightly after you did, <laughs> but I remember, I remember the, I remember the decline in, in mm-hmm. you know the the mm-hmm. late '80s, early '90s, and I mean, second edition lasted from like '89 oh, yeah. to '99, so it was like a ten year run. Mm-hmm. Um, when they introduced third edition and they introduced the OGL. I thought that was going to be, like, the renaissance of D&D. And it almost was. Mm -hmm.
1: It almost was. It It, almost was. It was a resurgence. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that really what it ended up being was that foundational stepping stone towards what we got.
2: I I think there's... Yeah. And I I think that in multiple ways. One, um, it moved... The the game moved towards being totally D20-focused, where before it was...
3: Sixes, sixes, <laughs>
2: six. Well, I mean, you you rolled, you know, uh, initiative was with a six. Yeah. You know, Well, I mean, not only that,
1: but there was, you know, if you wanted to play D anD D, you had, um, you know, your whole set of dice for that. If you wanted to play Star Wars, you played West End and you had a whole pile of d sixes. and yes. You know, you had all of these different mm-hmm. things who were doing things in a different way. But then when you had an open license, that everybody kind of unified, and even if you were not all Wizards of the Coast. Um, it was advantageous for.
3: I mean, it's, I mean, during the thing, it's. I mean, like, I mourned, mourned <laughs> when Wizards bought TSR, it was like, oh, that that's the end. It's going to get turned into a card game and it'll die. Yeah, yeah, they were just a- buying the center. IP, and it was like, oh no. Yeah. And I was really happy to see this resurgence. Like I said, it's like, oh, we're going to actually produce a new set of rules, yeah. and we're going to start rolling again. And people started picking it up because, you know, it was just. It was heartbreaking of, oh, it's it's like watching one of the other companies just, oh, they finally just chopped up and sold the last of the IP off, you know.
2: Yeah, and, and that was a real fear because mm-hmm. TSR at the, at the you know, end of the 90s was really in a bad situation, yeah. you know.
1: Well, I mean, you know, um, everything kind of builds on everything else. Like, we know through all of history, and we had 3rd Edition come out in this OpenGL, and, and this whole D20... D20 boom and D20 Renaissance, mm-hmm. which was then immediately before, like, the and, and leading into the dot-com boom, and then nerds had a, a big pile of money, and then, like, those nerds want entertainment, and then Marvel was all over making gigantic, super expensive mm-hmm. movies, and that's really where it all started coming,
2: nerds started coming out yeah, of the basement, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and I,
3: San Diego Comic-Con becomes movie premiere yeah,
2: time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I look at it the other the other side of it too is you know the OGL comes out and now you have people excuse me now you have people getting to be game designers and you know anybody could be a game designer at that point yeah. you know good or bad whatever but if you look at the folks who are putting stuff out now D&D and other to- tabletop role playing games a lot of them cut their teeth Doing stuff for the in the OGL period, the three you know the three point X era. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't have Paizo without the the OGL. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Pathfinder is the yeah. you know distinguished competition to you mm-hmm. know Wizards uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. but um you know you wouldn't have and, and with the way Paizo's handled everything, you've got all these designers, all these writers who cut their teeth doing these things that are now. Being brought on as you know, or creating their own. You have Monty Cook, who was the lead one of the lead designers for for three Now he's got his own system of Numenera or cy- the Cipher system with Numenera, you know, and uh, he also has a kids game which I've recommended to a lot of my friends called uh, No Thank You Evil. <laughs> it's not Let's Make a Deal. No, it's not. Yeah earlier. Really. Monty Cook. Monty, Monty, Monty Cook. Cook, not Monty Hall. Oh, oh. My bad. But you know, these these Rolling folks back history here. Yeah, I mean these, <laughs> I watched these, a lot of TV growing up. Uh, <laughs> but I mean these so you have a lot of these designers cut their teeth in that period mm-hmm. and now they're bringing... and they're changing games. I mean look at the you know, I mean you can't look at fifth edition D and D and not see what uh what was done in Dungeon World didn't didn't impact them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see where they lifted from other designers to make a game that mm-hmm. is easy to get new people into is easy to. Well,
3: and it was one of the interesting things in the beginning is we had Dungeon Magazine. Mm. And I don't know anybody who played d and that didn't have five or six well-thumbed into Oblivion or Xeroxed mm. copies of an issue or two. I mean, you know, things like mm. The Monk Class coming out was a straight David Carradine from Kung Fu. Right. Which, you know... Well, again, oh, my God, I loved
1: Kung Fu so Yeah, much. but
3: it, you go to people now, and they're like, not who the and what? And I don't understand. I'm like, no, there was this idea of this, you know, very peaceful fighting monk who, you know, was not your I am all peace, I will not do anything. No, it was a very, very physically capable monk, you know? It was David
1: Carradine, and I I understand what you're saying, but that's a little bit of a stretch. But, yes, I I get your point. You know,
3: but, I mean, he was, I mean, the original one was direct ripoff. I mean, when the article came out, I had the article, and it was like, yeah, we're just avoiding copyright here, but that's what we're saying. Right. And then, of course, like everything else, the classes start to evolve and things start going, but it kind of went against the common monk mentality right now. And then you got into the, you know, absurdity fun of, like, Chainsaw Warrior. Which Mm -hmm. was, you know, Evil Dead, you know, and, you know, just they started inventing classes and some were not well thought out and some were great and some had scribbles all over them when we modified it. But it was kind of a build your own game. But it was all this early, I guess you'd call it IP coming out from dungeon and then homebrew stuff. And, you know, again, this is part of the dial at BBS era. And there were sheets where I would dial up to some about modem in Botswana and download somebody's text file of I created this weird class or I created this weird module, and you know take bits and pieces of it and start assembling your own game. And
1: <laughs> you know what's super funny about that to me too is is I also I was I was a young internet savvy uh, person myself. This this predates my my tabletop gaming days. I just. Really enjoyed pornography. Um, I mean, I mean computers. <laughs> the um, Internet is for porn.
3: Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> to be done. <laughs> it's
1: it's funny to think that when you talk about that back then, like I dialed up a mm-hmm. um, you know a, a BBS in in Botswana and downloaded a text file. And in 2019, it's like, and then you got 800 viruses, and um, a Nigerian prince has uh, hijacked <laughs> your savings account. But back then, it was like, no, that just, that's, was a text what you, file. that's what you did, and it was you know, fine, and it was a text file, like you said, yeah. and if you were really concerned, you just opened it up and read through it really fast, yeah. and it wasn't going to do anything, and you knew what was going on. Yeah. And, and oh, just, man, and, the world's and, a different place.
3: Oh, yeah, and just just for the horrors of people with only a megabod connection, three in a bod was literally <laughs> 30 characters a second. Yeah. So if you had a, I don't know, five to 6,000 character mm-hmm. text file, it took a little while, and God forbid you wanted a picture, go get food. <laughs> like oh i've got a map okay is it an ascii driven map or is it a, oh it's a gif okay i'm gonna do that overnight and hope my parents don't find the phone bill and <laughs> yeah. or or god forbid
1: somebody picked up the phone
3: oh god yeah or or call waiting kicked off if you Hi! didn't know. <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, the horrors uh,
2: yeah i i remember uh we had a computer early on and i remember somehow we got the like a little Brochure for CompuServe. Oh, yeah. To get like the. And I I remember I saw it and I originally thought of uh the scene in war games where he goes over the girl's house and she has the modem (laughs) uh, yeah i I own that machine
3: (laughs) that is a karenko msi and yes i have one that's (laughs) that's a definite geek point (laughs) oh okay i can certainly respect that you guys have been to my house you've seen things like the pdp8 and the 11 and yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's bad (laughs) yes
0: john's house is techno
2: wonderland yes Museum. And a couple, a couple of Enigma machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. My original
3: Enigmas. and Oh, yes, bad. If it's old computers or crypto, I probably have it or want it. Um, but, you know, like you said, with war games and the computer things, it was literally, you know, put the phone in. And yes, we had acoustic couplers. Okay, for a flashback, there used to be phones with wires on them, and they plugged into the wall at your house. And if you went too far, you had this really long cord that would infinitely tangle up around the house with you. (laughs) Sometimes around you. Sometimes around (laughs) you, your friends, your family. The cat. Yes. (laughs) What's
1: happened? I've made a mistake.
3: Yeah, and then it was was actually, it was part of this was, you know, the early BBSs were, you know, single user, single dial-in. And then when it got bigger, people started building RPGs and the interesting alert on rpg was what i was alluding to before which was i need a piece of paper and a pencil if you had a chat room you could do a game absolutely yeah that's all you needed and chat rooms are an actually a fairly recent invention from that immediate online sub-second chat you know we had email and you know email only took three or four days to get across the country um <laughs> <laughs> don't ask it's bad There's it was a pony yeah. involved. um Ah uh, storing for it but you know you know, it started. It was funny because it started with I would play chess with a guy in Russia. Because that's you know just what you did a cliche you have okay, to do. Okay, I
1: need to stop you for one second mm-hmm. because when you say the words "I played chess with a guy in Russia," mm-hmm. that is like the most badass of sentences. that's no, okay. also <laughs> worth a geek point because um, like okay. Ch- okay. It, it's one thing it's, to say like I played chess via email. That is cool. Yeah, a hundred percent cool in mm-hmm. and of itself. When you up the ante to With a Russian. Like, no. That's it. You win. win. Oh,
3: no, there's worse. (laughs) I I was a ham radio guy because, again, I'm a geek. I was playing chess on ham radio with a guy in Morse. That is tough. We did it to say we could do it. That seems very committed. And then we didn't do it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but That's a I would play, and there was there was actually there's a you know a news group which was the predecessor to your bulletin boards and everything like that that had people who want to play chess. And this guy in Russia said, "I want to play chess," and I said, "Okay." And I had a board set up, and he had a board set up, and over the course of a month or two, we would play back and forth to today where I have a chess board, which is automated, that will connect to anyone in the world and it will move the pieces for me as they play. So I move my pieces and then the board moves his move and we play live. Wow. So th- this is the technology leap from three days per, you know, per move to wow. <laughs> the future is now. The future yes. is now, yes. Uh, by the way, you know, square off Kickstarter, go support them. They're wonderful people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hold that thought and bring it up
1: again. Uh, at the end we'll do plugs for some, okay, yeah, Shout yeah, outs for and sure. and I, I want to make sure that yeah. they get their, yeah, their they, uh,
3: they built the first one. It was great. You know, first thing, brand new technology, a bunch of, you know, kids in my respect, building technology, which I love. And then now they just came out of their second rev and it does amazing things, but, nice. um, cool. you know, they, but Going back, where there was this idea of, yes, we did do ham radio DD, which is really funny when I mean, you have to station identify every five minutes because that got entertaining. <laughs> call sign with DD character name, you know, because you have to say your call sign every so many minutes on the air and you must be conversational. You cannot just broadcast. It's against the FCC rules for ham radio. So the DM would go on these soliloquies and everybody, and every once in a while, somebody would go, uh huh. And. <laughs> <laughs> You know, which is also how a lot of religious broadcasts got past the rule, too, and things like that. But, yeah, you'd be sitting there, and I'd literally have, like, scribbles and notes in my character sheet and a radio. Wow. And we'd be playing D&D over this. And somebody would, you know, trip into the band going, he did what with an axe? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but yeah, it's, it's... Again, I again you know people who know me here. I am a night owl. I I work at night. I mainly live at night. My brain doesn't function when the sun's up, so at night, ham radio works better, and other time zones I could talk to. So I wound up talking across nation boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. And you know, it was always the amazing thing. And we started doing things with satellite radio. So again, we could email moves and email maps and share information, and where all this is leading, (laughs) is what's happened, I think, in part of this renaissance is that this idea of instant communication without a board got realer and realer every year. And, you know, now text is kind of a primary mode of communication. You know, chat rooms are a primary mode of communication. The ability for people to get around and play a game that doesn't have a board and doesn't have some sort of app tied to it is now so ambiguous that it seems like it's part of that resurgence of, you know, we can just text each other, have a game, get together, right. whether in physical or not.
2: Oh Yeah, I, you, I I all the time see on, you know, D&D Facebook groups, folks, you know, we're starting a Discord campaign. Right. or Or, um, you know, it's also sort of starting to get a bit of a, a resurgence is play by post. Um, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've heard people talk about that. I think I tried to... <laughs> I tried to attempt something like that a couple of times over the years, but I don't actually know how people do it. So I just sort of tried to intuit envelopes. it <laughs> into it, how people do it on my yeah. own without really knowing or you know, researching or mm-hmm. putting any actual so, effort into it.
2: <laughs> so so from what I can tell with most play by posts now is you use a you use a, a bulletin board mm-hmm. and you know, there is a this is the campaign thread mm-hmm. and you know, everyone does their posting in there and You know, you have to wait though. Um, So, and from I've seen, I've I've looked into a couple times uh, into doing play by posts, and one of the things is like, well, how frequently? What what's the frequency that you have to post? Actually, reminded me of doing online classes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. where you had to like by Monday, you have to do your 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 original. Response mm-hmm. and then yeah. by Thursday you have to have three replies to
3: <laughs> yeah and that it, is it, exactly my classes yeah right. I spent Sunday doing exactly that <laughs> yeah you know, I, I mean I'm I'm playing there's a diplomacy server again old pseudo war game mostly just stab your friends game um but not quite as bad as Illuminati but. You would play by email. You have, like, you know, again, by a certain day, you have to get mail. And then they went to the point of, since the moves are relatively rigid, they have an automated server that's doing the map. So they're running, you know, play-by-post without a central person. The machine's pretty much running everything, and there's somebody kind of watching it in case something screws up. All the way to the other side of, yeah, we're going to do, you know, turn-based games that, you know, I'm going to write a paragraph of text, and somebody will read it and go, okay, and he does this, you know. So...
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's definitely the kind of thing that you
3: have to have the right
1: uh, people involved Mm -hmm. for. Maybe that's an easier thing to find on the Internet because I feel like those are the people who are already there and are already already on board as opposed to, like, I text my friends and say, hey, this is the site. We're going to do this. And then it just doesn't work
3: out. And that's what's interesting is that it's kind of like it moved into that phase and now it's moving back out into, hi, come over. I've got munchies and we're going to play a game. Yeah. You know, there's, it, it's it's almost like there's this resurgence of actual human communication of people in the same room together, which is unheard of.
1: And thank God for that because yeah. we moved so far away from that.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, one of the other things with this resurgence is, I mean, technology is definitely okay. a big, huge part of it. I mean, you have the virtual tabletop, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that. the Roll Twenties, the Fantasy Grounds, mm-hmm. the couple of the other ones whose names escape me at the moment, and it's you know. You can choose to use a a a grid or not um, you can just use it as you know your your mode for mm-hmm. chatting either you know over a over voice or just texting mm-hmm. and uh, my only complaint was the uh when I've used roll 20 is the uh the dice roller doesn't seem to like me very <laughs>
1: much so what you're saying is it works <laughs> like as per normal. As per life. Uh, are, sorry <laughs> with <me> about that. <laughs> is,
2: is that Sour Grapes because in the first two sessions we played, I critted you? In the head.
3: Twice. <laughs> in a row. For in the, a row. For an obscure reference, nobody will get, and I get eaten by a frog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that, that one hasn't come out yet, but yep, yep. they'll find yeah. it eventually. Yes. Um, Cows got
3: eaten so by a frog. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah so, we're,
2: totally. so I thought where you were going with playing, we are going to start talking about Muds and Mushes.
3: Oh, God. I did not even <laughs> go near that one. Let me start on that. Mushes, Mud, Mushes, Mucks, and... It was a fourth one, but... Yeah, it was... Uh, let's see. Mud was multi-user dungeon. The Muck... I can't remember. I'm just going to show
0: Anjon for that. <laughs> yeah.
3: Mushes were multi user shared hallucination, which was one of my favorite acronyms. And it was completely. Okay, actually, it goes to where I was going on another thing, which is Infocom. Um, Infocom was a couple guys out of MIT who wrote a language to write adventures. And it was based on the old text adventure, Colossal Caves, which go look it up on Wikipedia. It's lots of fun. Um,. It was completely text-based. It was the idea of a single-person RPG against the computer or against a world. And, you know, okay, go north, pick up lamp, light lamp, you know, drop thing on foot, you know, whatever. And they wrote a language to write these things, did their station on it, and they started a company. They got some financing. And they wrote an entire series of games that were nothing but text adventures in the heyday of RPGs. And they were all different theme-based. You know, there was a detective one and a sci-fi one and all this kind of stuff. And they did this huge resurgence of, let's ride this. And it, the graphics were nil. It was literally text on a screen typing on a keyboard. And, of course, some intelligent people, usually college kids with the beginnings of the Internet, went, well, wait a minute. If it's just a terminal thing, I can write a program that does this. And I don't really actually want to do any work. So I'll just create this blank sheet of a world. And for every location that, if you have ownership to it, you can add something. And by add something, I mean type text. So it's not like Second Life, where you build something and you see a visual. Someone would literally just write: "You walk up to this magnificent house with this green door, and da da da, and pages of this." And people would build these entire lives in it. I know people that failed out of college because of this. (laughs)
1: So the funny thing is, from the moment that you said it was basically a Mm text-based second life, my assumption was that the next sentence was going to be, so instead of a visualization, you would actually just see text that would say, you're a blue uh, horse person with 17 penises coming out of you.
3: (laughs) Ah, Leather is a Phobos. Another <laughs> obscure <laughs> camera. Um, The, But it was this, you know, again, it, it really laid into this entire thing of, you know, theater of the mind. You know, games are good, but computer games were kind of in their infancy. Graphics were yeah. a joke, you know, comparably. We did things with ASCII. Ooh. But this text idea latched on. And, you know, all these different things started coming out. And it was, you know, you literally, that was your default, you know and it was also the attempt to get away from the satanic panic stuff because that got really ugly yeah um, yeah i know we have referenced it a few times and i know you've been wanting me to to expound on that but in the i'm gonna go with early 80s it really started somebody got this bright idea that dnd allowed evil characters and gods and wizards and magic and that this was satanic um which is hilarious, but in so many fronts, but we'll go there. It was evil. It was bad. And how dare you let your kids do this? And the rumor mill started to fly, and the media, of course, went haywire. Not like we don't know anything about that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I literally sat in school, and they had presentations where people would come in and give us this, Now, when your friends do this, just say no. And... <laughs> You know, it and was they, literally and just. They weren't in, talking about cocaine. No, no, that, that was that was acceptable then. <laughs> this was
1: the paper cocaine. Yeah, no, this, yeah, you know,
3: cocaine in the '80s. That was practically normal. No, it was the, you know, oh, you get sucked into it and it'll steal your soul. And then there's always that story of well, these twelve guys, you know, uh, you know, killed somebody doing something. And it really, it really came to a peak with um, I can't his name. I wish I could remember, but he was a university student, and the university, like most, had steam tunnels.
2: It was the the it was in Michigan. Yeah
3: and this guy disappeared for a few days and his parents got freaked out he didn't go to class da, da, da. and this cop's looking for him and he's looking at his dorm room and he sees this what he figures out is a map it's little squiggly lines on a sheet turns out it's a map of the steam tunnels and they have been what we would call now larping for three days in the steam tunnels playing oh D D for real. And the world split into two groups. Oh my God, that's horrible. They have sucked his mind. And the rest of us going, Oh my god, what an amazing <laughs> music. Like, <laughs> <"Yes."> oh <laughs> shit,
1: I could have been doing that, that this whole time. That's like, crazy. oh my
3: God, yeah. yeah. And it is again pre LARPing, pre vampire, and all this, that stuff. And, you know, he goes through this and there was this this continual barrage. Um there's a YouTube video of it. I actually have the tape of it. There is this police tape that was put out for police stations of what to look for and it's this guy who claims to be you know ex-satanist and he's going through a park and like oh this diagram on the ground means that they were looking for money and this is where they probably sacrificed a small animal no evidence whatsoever no content it was just they were making it up as they went
1: i'll tell you this i went to a private christian school my entire Mm, young life um and to my recollection what i always heard in association with the D&D mm-hmm. Satanic Panic of the time, uh, because I was I was born in 79, mm-hmm. so I would have been at a formative age in like yep. the latter half of the 80s. Um, there was always the story of the fact that it was always the issue that role-playing is mm-hmm. you are becoming your character, and therefore the line between reality and fantasy is blurred for these people. Yep. And the story that I always heard was that a person's character died... So they killed themselves. Yeah.
2: That comes from the, the chick track. Yes. That, that's and that's the, the infamous
3: chick tracks. Uh thank you for referring to those. <laughs> I found one of those on that's well, a, the, that's
2: my That's a that's a Joe Geek point for jumping on <laughs> that. I didn't I didn't remember what it was called.
3: No, yeah. it was it was the chick I tracks. I remember it was a thing. I didn't remember what it was called. No, I I found one on my car one day, a hundred years ago, and on the back it said, If you would like more of these, mail <laughs> us a letter.
1: <laughs> they sensed the D and D all over you, is that it? Oh no, <laughs> they they they
3: just they they they, they were literally their thing is you buy a bunch of these and you put them in cars and there you're spreading the word um and they're still around they have an online presence mm-hmm. and everything but back then there no email they had an address and they said if you would like samples of all of ours send a letter in like two dollars or something so i did and for the next 10 years i got every new chick track that was done
4: how lucky for you it was amazing
3: <laughs> and i mean and some of the stuff was oh. just oh my god and I Oh their god, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jack Chick uh, is uh, roll that back, ooh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it was I mean it was just this this, this is very, very I don't even know a nice word to say about it. I'm gonna just leave that one alone. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. were entertaining. We'll leave it that. And their D and D ones were all, you know, character dies, you kill yourself. Or it just takes over your soul and you'll go to hell. It literally said that. Funny I, enough, somebody a few years ago kickstarted a movie.
2: To be made off of Dark Dungeons. Uh, that that was the, the the main chick track with the mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. They they kickstarted it. It uh it it completely funded, and I believe you can see it now on uh, on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It, I I actually watched it. <laughs> it is as bad as you want it to be. Yeah, it yeah. is <laughs> just. Um. I mean, they didn't quite go the full. Y- find Jesus to get yourself out of the 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 out of the grip of Dungeons and Dragons or I think they used a you know yeah, non uh, <laughs> non trade <laughs> <non-trademark laughs> yeah. yeah. um but but yeah it uh it it, it uh, maybe I if I can find the uh, link yeah. I'll put that in the show notes for it
3: yeah but I mean it was and it, I mean we laugh about it now but it was getting really bad and you know I was in high school in the early 80s and I was graduating and it was this bombardment And it was one of those things where a friend of ours, you know, like, oh, okay, they're 11, 12, 13, you know, younger, high school age, early eighth grade, and like, oh, yeah, come along and play our D&D game. And mom asks a friend, the appropriate Google of the time, which was even worse results, Mm. oh, my God, they'll die. The Their Facebook head will simply explode. You know the <laughs> Facebook
1: feed of the '80s. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And, uh,
3: Mom asked a friend. <laughs> Mom asked a friend, and friend read an article. Who at her hairdressers and da 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 da. And saw it on Geraldo. Oh God, no yeah. God. <laughs> or Donahue. <laughs> Donahue. Sally uh, Jesse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey. Jr. I was about to say there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. pre swastika. Um, backwards. Um. But, you know, it was just this overriding, oh my god, you've got it, so you hit hit it away. And even those of us who played non-D&D RPGs were like, well, we don't play D&D, we play Traveler. We play this other game that's kind of dungeon-based with Tolkien characters, but not D&D. Because it was really focused on the one. I mean, it's almost like the Harry Potter craziness that went over the last few years of all these other genres are very close to it but that's the one that's popular we're gonna go after that one that's the evil one yeah yeah and um and the other one it was really bad and it, it's actually has a lot of merit today is the idea of crossing genders genders was a huge mm-hmm. huge thing of well you know little johnny wants to be little jane in the dnd game Ooh, can't have that
4: yeah and and yeah. vice
3: versa and i mean people were getting more upset about gender bending than they were about alignments, which tells you the screwed-up priorities of the 80s. Um, And it was just this constant, you know, parents were losing control of their kids.
1: I mean, just like the radio that's the screwed-up priorities... Of the '80s, '90s, and today.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, you know, rock was going to kill us all anyway because we were in the middle of that too. Because yeah, also, I was just saying, yeah, yeah. The satanic
2: panic around heavy metal. Was, yeah. That it just, it just you know, yeah, cool, you know, the yeah.
3: late '70s, early '80s of you know Ozzy, go- Black Sabbath, and you know, just to, everything
2: was going to lead you to ruin.
3: Yes, except for Christian heavy metal, which is an entirely different beast, and we don't talk about that. <laughs> just, the beast this is Axe. Th- oh, yeah. No, that's something no. else also. No, 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 no. no. no, no, no. But, no, no I mean, right. li- literally, we had you know people in spandex Inappropriate, you know what I would call white. There's a band snake. called Striper. Yeah, we're going to go there. You know, yeah. <laughs> Who was an interesting one because they were an interesting mix. But they had bands that were, you know, because I grew up in the West Coast, and of course, everybody's going to be a, a rock star. You know, it's it's the thing. You learn to play, you're going to be a rock star, and you'd have these ba- these band members in full spandex, big hair, the whole nine yards, going to church on Sunday before they play their gig in spandex, and because they're good church going people, that that was acceptable, and you're just like okay, we're getting a little, okay, fine, whatever, just roll with it. <laughs>
2: well, that, that was like, I think I brought up, you know, not too long ago, it's like, I I was raised Catholic, um, I was an altar boy from fourth grade until right, the, the weekend before I left to go to college, mm-hmm. Um, but I played d and I played D&D with my older brother, mm-hmm. Um, I played D&D with my, my good friends, and... You know, Saturday night play D anD D. Sunday morning, I'm up on the altar as an altar boy.
3: Oh, the interesting thing, and this is always a detail I didn't learn until fairly recently, Gary Gygax was a very religious man. Yeah, it was very, very you know, Catholicish. And when somebody hit him with this, it was like you're kidding. This is a joke. Yeah. You know, the the concept was so abhorrent and alien to him. He's like, what are you talking about? it's a fantasy world. It's not reality. It, da, 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 da. You know, to go after this is to go after every piece of fiction ever in the yeah, world. Yeah, for And, sure. you and know,
2: then they did. And then they did, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think in that the book Empire of Imagination, it's a biography about Gary. Yeah. Um, I think they even had like one of his responses to which he was like, we're also, we're playing the heroes. We're playing yeah. the good guys. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and older editions of D&D, the alignment system was way more... Oh, regimented. It was way more regimented, way more, you know, you, if you're yeah. a paladin, you're lawful good. If you're, yep. you know... A, and you and you had to play your alignment. Oh. And if you shifted Ooh, your alignment... crisis.
3: <laughs> you were in alignment
2: crisis. And, and if your alignment completely changed, you lost, like, you know, half, half your XP. Yeah, and just... Yeah, there were some penalties for changing alignment.
3: Oh. Yeah. There was a penalties for acting against your alignment. That yeah. The DM could simply go... You know what? You've done too many non lawful good things. You're getting a forced alignment change and your character is put through a blender.
1: No. But but that's not a thing anymore, right? No. no because it's... like we might we might need to have a talk about, about Orion. Well <laughs> <laughs> You
2: you see Orion has an oath and those oaths has tenants. Not mm. David tenants, but tenants. But that's the best tenant. That is the best tenant. That, right. that, the was, best awful. Tenant.
3: that was that was really awful. Was um
2: <laughs> so if Orion mm. violates those tenants, then he's in trouble. Yeah. So I'm good. Well, I mean, it was things like... I mean, you know, let, let me rephrase that.
3: <laughs> but it was things like, you know, this concept of true neutral. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to do everything good and evil equally. You know, kill a puppy, save a child. You had to do both. And you had to a, keep a scoreboard. Well, okay, I'm on uh, 15 puppies killed, but only six children saved. Oh, yeah. I It was, it was I'm going. I'm going kid saving this yeah. week. Yeah, and everybody would go into, like, things like, okay, how about just you know chaotic neutral and it was up to the dm you know which on a part part of it was good because obviously a dm could go eh, alignments or he could go i am alignment nazi yeah okay fine but you played with who you wanted to play with and because the games were being customized so much that was the thing too because it was like certain dms were sought out because their games were different i mean you know again it happens a lot but i mean today and this is not again anything against joe over here but you buy a set of books you become a dm and there's your rules and you have a little bit of leeway, but most people follow this track. And this was a world of, okay, we're going to take the rules as a really a set of suggestions. And then we're going to take in this other game we liked because we read one time. And if people liked it, they played your game. And if they didn't like it, well, you know, your game kind of died off. And you would change your rules. So, you know, evolution and Darwinism of GMs. Back when they were called DMs. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, a lot of people still use the, the term DM. I often will use, yeah, use the we term GM. Um, But I want to, <laughs> I haven't done a corrections in a long time, and this mm-hmm. is not even really going to be a correction, but it will be a clarification, and mm-hmm. it's something that mm-hmm. I, I kind of just said that I feel like I want to expound on a little bit. And, you know, as we talk about this satanic panic issue mm-hmm. of the 80s and D&D and how they are related in, in rock music and stuff like that, I'm always kind of immediately aware right after I open my, my dumb mouth That, like, I am afraid that oftentimes I come across like, oh, my God, God, people, am I right? And it's not that at all. I just want to make it really, like, clear. I want to say in no uncertain terms, like, no, that's fine. And we've talked, Joe and I have talked on this show uh, quite a while back about the fact that, um, you know, even in fiction, we've seen these stories where... people who do not necessarily who who are uh, world builders and and creators and writers who are Mm -hmm. generally not particularly religious people have um, recognized and told stories about the importance of of Mm -hmm. the concept of of religion we talked about it uh, with Seth MacFarlane's um, the Orville did a great episode about mm -hmm. exactly that that was when we really talked about it at length Mm -hmm. and and I just want to for my own sake to be clear that like for me that's that's what I'm getting at. Like, that's fine. Be religious. That's not a problem. I don't mean to sound like I am being down or negative or telling you don't do that or, or you're dumb or mm-hmm. whatever. It's not any of those things. I don't mm-hmm. think you're and en- you, the ambiguous imaginary person who is listening to this and feeling <laughs> upset and, by and hurt by me for yeah. saying that. I, I don't oh. I don't mean to be that way, and I I, I apologize to anybody who's like how dare you you're the worst if
0: anything i think that DD, especially today actually kind of furthers the idea of religious freedom and diversity and religion yeah. and all of those things mm-hmm. and it's interesting that it was so you know we're talking about the satanic panic and things like mm-hmm. that and it was so put down by those things and yet has emerged as a way to recognize and celebrate diversity in mm-hmm. religion. If you look at D&D, and we have clerics and monks and, yeah. you know, holy symbols holy that are everything.
3: In conversation bringing up memories, a friend of mine who was very religious ran a D&D game that was very religious. Mm-hmm. Everybody played good characters, and they fought the classic biblical eagles. And he was turning literally Bible stories into modules. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And, that you know, cool, I, was, I, and I, and I, was, I was raised Episcopalian mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, I identify as atheist now, just to be out there. Um, but I have no problem with anybody else's beliefs and non-beliefs. You know, we don't know. That's all I'm saying. I'm leaving it sure. at that. And, you know, you know, don't screw with me. I don't screw with you. Life is good. And, you know, I played in some of these games thinking, eh, especially when you're in high school. this is You know, you're kind of... And it was a fun game. Mm -hmm. You know, he had set a set of rules, and we all agreed to them, and we played a game. And it was no different than any other set of rules. You know, now do I know people that have also gone to the complete reverse of that? You know, we're all going to be murder hobos, and that's the game. Okay, well, you know, welcome to Doom. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I
2: mean, and I think think all of us around the table are you know having beliefs or not having beliefs really? or is is part of the human existence part of the human yeah. makeup absolutely the problem becomes when your your beliefs begin to start dictating the behaviors of other people when you start to marginalize when you start to um identify what other people are, are non-harmful things that other people are doing that brings joy to their life you know Listening to heavy metal music brought joy to my life as a you know as a mm-hmm. young teenager. You know, playing D and D allowed me to connect with my older brother, right? And and has allowed me to you know have all these great friends. And in this case, there's a yes and
1: that goes with
2: it, specifically
1: talking about D and D and a lot of other pop culture things. And it's, I think, especially in my observation, especially with D and D, there's the the issue. That was a lot of the experience that I went through growing up, which is these people who will say D&D, for example, is evil because it you're playing your character. And if your character dies, you kill yourself. And these are people who are ignorant to what it is mm-hmm. and closed minded and without actually knowing or researching or learning or finding out what it is, which is not to say like it. You don't have to like it. I don't it doesn't matter if you like it or don't like it but know what it is before you pass that judgment well, of well, of how you feel about and it.
3: And this is I mean this is always my big thing in the, in the in that entire genre is there is a huge uh-huh. difference between prejudice which is prejudging and judging. Sure. If I meet you and I don't like you, I can judge I don't want to deal with you or vice versa. Prejudging is looking at someone and going, "Okay, based on some random trait, I'm going to make all these assumptions about you." Oh, you play D&D? Well, 10 years ago that was, oh, so you live in your mom's basement, you know, you're 35. You don't talk to girls. Yeah, 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 you don't talk to girls, you haven't bathed in two weeks, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And all these these stereotypes that go with it. And, you know, I mean, if anything, in the last five years, we've been trying to break those across the board. Yeah. You know, but I always found it interesting because D&D was this ability to play not you. Yeah. Yes. You know, and not because you want to be that but because you know i wonder what evil is or in my case you know being a non-religious person i wonder what it's like to play a cleric what if i play a cleric who is very devout and lives by a set of tenets, and you know i actually have to you know put my mind into that position it's i mean we look at like escapism in reality for like a movie okay for an hour and a half two hours whatever oh i believe these characters and i'm going to accept that bizarre piece of technology or whatever or I read a book, and it, uh, this was the idea of interacting with other people and playing a game, going, okay, I'm going to put myself in this uncomfortable, possibly, position, and see what happens.
1: This is really like DND and role-playing games, mm-hmm. really are like virtual reality 1.0. Yeah, wow. right. Um. It's, it's like you said, and, and you really, really, really nailed also what the appeal was for me mm-hmm. when I first experienced it for me in my uh, very late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my friends first kind of drew me into my first D&D game, which was I can l- be the one making the call, doing the world building mm-hmm. for a character, um, doing the world building for a world as mm-hmm. I grew into it and became a, a DM. Um, and and I love, just like you said, like stepping completely into okay. and experiencing making the choices for a character outside of my life and doing adventure things and it's one thing, like you said, to like see a movie that you like, read Lord of the Rings um, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoy these adventures that other people have as an observer. It's another thing to be an active participant Uh in those things.
2: I've always thought of it as you know, when you're a kid you play cops and robbers. Sure, exactly. You know, you play, we used to play superheroes. Mm -hmm. All all to me that the role playing game does is take some form of rules and applies it to the make pretend, mm-hmm, sure. You know, mm-hmm. th- and that's and that's basically what it is. So, you know, when you're a little kid and running around, did you actually think you were a cop or a robber? No, you were inhabiting that role and you were thinking, what would I do if I did that, mm-hmm. if I was that, or if you're we, we used to play superheroes all the time. I mean, and yeah, we would have somebody who were, we were all playing DC characters, and somebody want to be Spider Man, and you're like, <laughs> no, our rule is this is DC only. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's why we weren't friends back then.
1: Uh, also, we didn't know each other. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that. details. Um,
2: <laughs> but, you know, it's... it's, it, And I think that, you know, I know part of... I remember, you know, in doing some research also on tampa Part was also, like, in the first edition AD&D Monster Manual, they used the name Asmodeus, they used the name Beelzebub, mm-hmm. they used the name Mephistopheles, you know. They, you know, and, and, and some of the images were... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Quite the side of adult. Sure, we'll go with that.
3: Fiendfolio. Fiendfolio. Fiend
2: The original Monster Manual. I remember the Succubus oh. was was and the Arnes were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Still have them. <laughs> I have my original set. I, my I, I know I have a I have a first edition uh, Monster Manual and I do mm-hmm. have a, a first edition, but it's a reprint of the. Uh, DMG because it's got the uh, wizard opening the door. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it. Uh, but. Yeah, and that that was part of it was like they used names of devils mm-hmm. and, and names of demons. Yeah. Thing, also, things
3: not trademarked, uh, Joe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Identifiable but not trademarked.
1: Ah, uh, mm. yes, public domain demons. Um, yes. Joe, mm-hmm. I'm definitely giving you a geek point for knowing where all the dirty pictures were in the pre-monster manual, monster manual.
3: <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. We we all did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's actually an interesting book called From Hell. And it was... It started with a book called All the Saints, but it's a list of everybody in hell by this writer's interpretation. And it has all your demons and everything like that, but it's literally this good one-inch thick, you know, larger than a, a standard paperback book of everybody in hell. Anyone, you know, Hitler's in there and everything like that. I like and, to think
1: that there's a page that says, Steve, my yes. next-door neighbor, played it, the radio too loud. And there are <laughs> things like that in
3: there. But I, I started looking at it as Makeup Monster Manual. Just... That looks good. We'll use this. And then just invent an evil character or a monster based on it. And uh, yeah. And then of course it came in a second book, All the Saints, which is all the saints in heaven, and some of them are truly hilarious too. So to find the ice bands for those. <laughs> I
0: was gonna say it's interesting what you were what you were talking about when you're touching on the um fantasy and role playing and all of those things are part of the human condition. And it's something that we do instinctually from very young mm-hmm. and it makes sense that as we get older we want to continue to go back to that well and continue sure. to learn those things and and it does it teaches us things and it gives us opportunities to do things that we don't get to do in real life mm-hmm. and it triggered a memory for me which is really interesting when I was a little girl of course you know wonder woman was everything um <laughs> and I you know I played wonder woman on the playground and everything like that and I remember a moment of we had this like these giant monkey bars and we would climb to the top of the giant monkey bars and that was the invisible jet you know and there were like three of us and we were all wonder woman and we were all up on that invisible jet and i remember some kid who decided that they wanted to be on top of the the monkey bars and they were being mean because we were playing on top of the monkey bars and i remember very distinctly remember and this is like i want to say maybe kindergarten first grade I very distinctly remember having that sense of heroism, that sense of I need to defend my friends, mm-hmm. and I need to step up and tell that person, no, you cannot bully my friends, because we're Wonder Woman, and we're doing good things, you know? And I look at how then just, just in that moment, looking at mm-hmm. how that impacted my life, and how it changed my life at a very young age, you know, to be that person that always idolized that and wanted to defend and wanted to to stand up for the little guy and stuff like that, and I I think that if you talk to anyone who continues to go back to that well, anyone that continues to you know play D and do all these fun things and do all this role-playing stuff we all have been profoundly impacted in that way and it has given us the power to be better people in our own lives and it's really really cool to see that happen especially now mm-hmm. you know that we're you know we have that resurgence oh. and we're able to talk about it again and all of those things and like we're the cool kids and whatnot and it's <laughs> it's i say that all the time but it, it really yeah. is true and it's really cool to see yeah, that happen as,
3: as, as the nerd that grew up through the bad years of nerddom. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kayla,
1: that's a heroic geek point.
0: Aw, yeah. thank you.
3: <laughs> but the um I mean, it, you can't you can't deny the, the psychological effect it has to put yourself in someone else's shoes and live their life. Yep. Even on a small little microcosm. I mean, even things like gender and orientation. You know, get serious for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, having somebody play a random thing a female character And having a bar full of people going, you're not a real warrior because you're female. Just experiencing prejudice. And having a GM go, look, we're going to go down this road a little bit, and da 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 -da, And, you know, just the ability to do that in a controlled environment that is nerf-worlded. You know, that at the end of the day, a bunch of friends can close the books and go, okay, we're done. You know, nothing happened. (laughs) As opposed to going out and getting into a screaming match with your friends or trying to explain some concept to them that they just don't get and it becomes a debate argument real fast, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. We have a friend, Greg, who in the last two campaigns, well, Greg's approach to D&D is if I'm going to play fantasy, I'm going to play fantasy. So, every character he plays is female. Um, You know, the Imperium campaign, he was a half-drow. Uh, Ranger, this and and not so for wizards. He's playing Lilith Brick Smasher, the human raised by dwarves. <laughs> death cleric. So. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds
1: right. Yeah. Cleric, uh, of cleric of
2: Lemongear. Cleric of Lemongear. As he is um,
1: so, qu- she is always so quick to make sure everybody <laughs> knows. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and and I remember there was a point in time where, like, I mean, I've seen. Postings for games at game stores and stuff, where it's like mm-hmm. no gender bending, no, no yeah. this, no that, and it's like take good or the bad. I'm playing. I'm playing an elf. Yeah. What? No, no race bending. You got to play a human. Yeah, everybody's oh. got to play humans. <laughs> I would be the. Well, okay, humans are pretty awesome.
1: Humans are. Uh, t- to be fair, not to be a hypocrite, I almost always play a human. <laughs> Man, I <don't> feel like. <laughs> I, That was almost confessional. I feel like a gigantic... Yeah, that was was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) Which is funny because, I mean, you know, of course, you know, these two got me into a game recently. And it's been a very long time since I played. Like, you know, I remember mostly AD&D rules to be horrible. Um, Yeah, still fighting the taco. (laughs) 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 But, you know, deliberately picking classes I've never played because they didn't exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a tiefling monk. You know, I was just like, yeah. this sounds interesting. Let's have fun with this. You know? And he's doing very well. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I do try to often play bribe characters who... the DM. Who, bribe the DM. <laughs> who, who characteristically are always very different. My first character was a was a dwarven warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, I do While I do often play a human, I try to at least always play a different class. Mm-hmm. And I try to just make them always very distinctly different people. Mm-hmm. Um yes, my comfort zone is a hundred percent playing a human rogue street rat. Um but nonetheless I really try to like at least make them just very unique, unique backgrounds. I'm always looking for like I remember when I was when I was building Orion, I was thinking about <laughs> the fact that oh man, there's so many issues with Orion. Um I as I was thinking about like what is his background? And I kind of already had this concept in my mind that I wanted this person who was like too lawful. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, took religion and being lawful. Good to too much of an extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started thinking like, what makes a person like that? And I was thinking about the fact that when building D and D characters, when building, when building characters for games in general, also, when telling stories in general, it's such a a, a typical – I don't want to call it a pitfall because it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it is a little overdone that, like, your character is either A, an orphan, or your home, B, burned down. Uh, and and mm-hmm. it's forcing you off to do these things. And I said, that's what I don't want. I am actively going to not do those things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Orion grew up in an upper-middle-class family. His family is all alive. They're all alive and well and fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not a gigantic, weird, awful, hidden tragedy in his mm-hmm. background. He is just kind of a nut. He is just like he went to Sunday school and really drank every ounce of the mm-hmm. Kool-Aid because that's people. That's there. I know mm-hmm. those people. I have grown mm-hmm. up with those people. Those are very real kinds of people. Um, and that was... What kind of went into that was like, I just said, I don't want to do the same things I always do. I mean, I'm the same person. I'm not accusing anybody. I do those things. Like I just said, like my, my go-to is, is human rogue street rat, which is always like, I'm an orphan kid who did not know who his family was and grew up on the streets and learned to pickpocket <laughs> and, and learned to, 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 to graft people and, and uh, to grift people, mm. rather. And, and well, no, so uh, yeah, that kind of guy.
3: It also drives into the idea that you know, we would play games where completely randomized character, Mm-hmm. yeah you know just throw throw it at the wall and see what's there or um an interesting segue i saw once which was everybody did their characters did their alignments did their thing and then there was kind of a gm secret role of what your real alignment was
1: that's interesting there's Ooh. the alignment
3: you put forth to everybody else in your day-to-day life and then there was the secret alignment of you know what you did in the dark by yourself that's
1: interesting. You know, and some
3: of those got very interesting because it was one of those, here's a piece of paper slid to you. Mm. And uh, it was just, you know, something that drived your psyche one level back. And it was mm. like, okay, now I've taken this picture of this character I have and kind of warped them a little bit. You know, and you just you start getting into weird dichotomies and some of them lined up, you know, I'm a very good person in day to day, but I'm really kind of neutral about it. I don't really care. Or, you know, I'm chaotic evil. I just want to watch the world burn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs>
2: it, it's funny. I saw one the other day It was like, Oops. have your have people make characters, number all the characters, <laughs> then roll the die. Yep. You then have each person roll the die and they get that character. Um, which is kind of similar to to what mm-hmm. we did with the uh, the ten candles game. I don't know if you got to hear that. Um, where like, I wrote down my ver I wrote down a virtue. I wrote down a vice. I handed my virtue to the person to my left. I handed my vice to the person okay. to my to my <laughs> right.
1: I did listen to last week's show. Uh, when are we playing ten candles? Because that is all I want to do with my
2: life right now. I, I I want to get ten candles, and I definitely think we should play it. And I don't know. I think it might be fun Can we to record it for a special. To record it yeah, I think we, we need oh, to we do we a go. special. Get get a couple people around See, the table. No <laughs> we will tell you. <laughs> um, speaking of specials, hit me. Let's. Uh, well, we, we we were sitting on. We, so next week we will be broadcasting live from Flynn's Arcade. Yay, so before Flynn. we go
1: further with this. Because I feel like we've got some big announcements to make that, one of which is that. Do we want to hit news and stuff before we close out with the big stuff?
2: Let's do the big, big stuff now, and then we'll do some news. Okay, okay. cool, cool, okay. cool. So, next week we'll be at Flynn's. Uh, I will double-check just to make sure that we're going to be able to be at Flynn's, that they'll have power. Because uh, no electricity really will make this show hard.
1: Tentatively stand by for maybe Flynn's next week. Um,
2: and I will also double-check to make sure that they are actually going to be open. Tentatively the stand <laughs> yeah, I did see Again, some posts. important part Yeah, I yeah. did see
0: some posts today uh, Some before and after pictures and stuff that they've been doing And, mm. and uh, Luke, right, is his name? I want I'm to say. say yes but I'm, I'm sorry exactly if I got sure. your name wrong uh, but he's been posting a lot of stuff about what's been going on and they're furthering you know and it looks like they're really coming along like they're getting down to because I know he posted that they were getting like baseboards and they were painting and stuff like that so it looks like they're yeah. really heading in the right direction
2: I, d- I do know that this weekend they're going to be at the uh, the game Expo I believe they're gonna be at the game Expo in uh, Miami um, which I might even be down there attending. So, oh. do a little, do a little schmooze, meet some people, maybe yeah. get us some guests for the future. Do yeah, do those things. Um, so then, the big news. Bum, bum, bum.
1: Um, I was going to give you a drum bum, roll, but bum, you told me not to hit the table. Yeah, in <laughs> February,
2: maybe I'll see if I can find a, a drum roll uh, sound effect uh, that's public domain. <laughs> um, and uh, so, in February. The Geekiest will be going on the road to Jacksonville to enjoy the Jay and Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow. What? You mean
1: Jacksonville, home of both the Jaguars and The Good Place is Jason Mendoza? None <laughs> of that has anything to do with Kevin Smith. I'm sorry. Just any time I get an opportunity to drop The Good Place, you know, I have to do that.
2: And, and what, what channel is The Good Place on? Only on NBC. <laughs> do, do, do. Um, so, yes, we will be. So, so our, our tentative plans is we're going to drive up to Jacksonville. We are going to attend. Uh, we we Armored Bear Productions splurged, got us a VIP package, uh, so we <laughs> yeah yeah. So we we're, will be we're doing excited. we we we're doing a photo op with Kevin, <laughs> um, and then uh, at, there's also a Q and A at that event, and then afterwards we are going to be heading back to our hotel room and recording. Immediately.
1: So, serious question for anybody out there in the world listening to the geekiest: uh, if you have a super embarrassing question that you want me to ask Kevin Smith, I will humiliate myself in front of the whole <laughs> world and ask your question.
3: Humiliate also- yourself while humiliating him.
2: <laughs> also, uh, we will be wearing. Uh, t-shirts that will get that will identify us as the geekiest podcast so if you see us if you are
1: in the the jacksonville area on uh, what day is it
2: that's february 21st
1: then uh and you see you see some some good-looking people wearing geekiest shirts please ask them where they left our bodies after beating us up and no (laughs) that's that's
3: us see what you do is you get a yellow posting note write fun messages or questions on the show stick it to them and run also, all of these things are, are available. And if any of you do it, I will be so happy. Do that for John. <laughs> so,
2: so, so that week's uh, episode will be our Jay and Silent reboot roadshow review, pre-taped live on location, but not in front of a live studio audience. Well, kind of live on tape. Oh uh, no, <laughs> no really not. Unless
0: somebody's looking in the hotel window, we'll, we'll just open the door. Which the I mean, and, you, know, you know, yeah,
2: we don't mind. Um. <laughs> and 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 part of our plan is we're going
3: to be it's not weird at all. <laughs> so many comments um, so is many we comments. will be
2: documenting and, and, and vlogging mm-hmm. and all sorts of other nonsense as we travel from South Florida to North Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of us in a rental car, rental vehicle of some sort. Oh, that'll be two fun. of
1: the three parts of Florida.
2: <laughs> Look, people,
1: rest area.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Vlogging rest stops all a, the way. A
1: real travel log. <laughs> we uh, might have to start a whole new podcast called The Geekiest Travel Log. Can we do that? <gasps> Can I get funding for that? <gasps> Can you send me places?
3: <laughs> do a Kickstarter. Everybody will love it. Trust <gasps> Can we do a
0: Kickstarter for that? Sure. <laughs> we'll talk.
3: Alright. Uh, so
2: let's let's move to the news. Uh, the big one that we've been holding off on because is... Because we have to have our Pete. We have to have our Pete. Aww. Is the... Uh, the, the final trailer for rise of skywalker arguably
1: the final star wars numbered saga movies trailer ever
3: (sighs) possibly i like the caveat numbered because there's going to be a lot of star wars movies coming out without a doubt without a for our grandkids (laughs) um
1: i don't think there was ever any question
2: that that was going to be the case Mm. so uh, Ah. a lot went on on that trailer Um. Let's just, uh, I, we will, I know I mentioned last week we we're going to do this and we actually didn't actually put it on the show, but uh, there are some folks out there who want to go into the movie clean. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, we will identify when you can start listening again. So uh, future Joe, insert that here. You can safely avoid spoilers by rejoining the podcast at one hour, 29 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay. So.
1: All right, so all the feels. Wow, a lot of feels going on there. Um, I'm not to start at the end or anything, but the fact that they closed that trailer with Luke saying "The Force will be with you," and Ooh. then Leia saying "Always." I'm gonna just back up a little bit, please uh, do. It's fine. It's just little, lo- that was that that oh, was that was man. a good so when just, they're working on three PO. That. And, and yeah. they're like,
0: No, I don't I can't. No, I just Okay, look uh,
1: if this is the spoilers segment of our of our know, podcast anyway.
3: M em, yeah Emperor. And, That's and all I say. Emperor. Yeah. emperor. Yeah. Just leave it alone. And so mm-hmm. as I've said
1: in the past and it continues to be true now, I do not have any inside knowledge. So anything that I say is hundred percent purely speculative on my part. That said, I don't believe for a second that they are killing off three PO. Um, I do not know what's going on, but I will tell you this. If you go back and you look at the whole sequence of about 7 to 10 seconds, whatever it is, with uh, Poe and company looking mm-hmm. at him, him, he looking back at them, I feel like all of that looks like it is cobbled together from different
3: scenes. That, that's my It looks thing, inconsistent. Trailers have been so inconsistent so over the last few years. Deceitful. Mm-hmm. So deceitful. So
2: deceitful well, trailers have been. So I wasn't thinking they were killing <laughs> off 3PO. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Something risky. 3PO, uh, more of the... We're going up. One, you're going up again against the Emperor yeah. and the First Order and all this nonsense. And I'm looking at you guys one last time.
3: Yeah, we're all going to do something really risky, or yeah. I'm going to do something really yeah. risky. Somebody's doing may... something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well,
1: I mean, it's coupled in then with the next shot of um, the entire. Um, name is no, no, no. no just before okay. that, of uh, Bibo Frick, I think his name is the little itty bitty alien is like yeah. like hacking his brain. Um, and, I mean, I took that as the implication that we're supposed to
2: think that, like, he's racing oh.
1: 3PO's memory or oh, reprogramming
2: I, him or something. No, I th- see, I took that as, like, something has happened to 3PO and he, that guy was rebuilding
1: him. Oh, maybe so. That's the thing. We don't know.
3: That's
0: that's,
1: a, that's the
3: uh, other I'm going to go with the former, which is... Doing something risky, which involves something risky done to his brain, like you may not survive through this. That's
0: kind of what so I got. Is like because he was kind of like hacked into you know, the, something. In, in, the, in
3: like the red eye version. Was, and all we've that. seen that like red was, eye shot yeah, him
2: yeah, in the trailer or something.
0: Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I, don't,
1: mm, I don't. Maybe he's I don't interfacing know.
2: with the, uh, with the other. They're going to the stick fal- his
1: brain in there with. Uh, um, oh my gosh, what is her name? Um, from yep.
2: Solo, Le. Um, oh yes.
1: Um,
3: and we all lose. Uh, Droid Chaguirre. Um, yep.
1: as I like to to call her. Yep. Okay, um, well I'm
0: gonna give you a key point for that. <laughs> it's
1: uh what's her name from Fleabag, and she's so funny. Yeah, she's I so know, good, and I just her name just fell out of my head right now. Yep. Uh, but mm. she is so funny and I loved her character in mm. solo so much. She was for yeah. me the breakaway star of that movie. Yeah. yeah well, sure. her and Donald
2: Glover. Well, I, I always uh,
1: love Donald and Glover <laughs> and it's Cape Closet. <laughs> 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 um but so all of this to say, as we have learned from, I think, from many trailers, but I, I always point out, in particular, the Infinity War Marvel Avengers mm-hmm. trailer, mm-hmm. don't believe trailers. Yeah. Do not believe trailers. Oh,
0: they're going to yeah. hype you Do and pull on your trailers. heartstrings yeah. Yeah. and all of that stuff. Not to say that Bye. it
1: won't have all of these emotional elements. I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. We know that this is a very
3: conclusive Ending to a very large see, saga. See, I'm not even going down that road yet. Given given the p- proclivities of the people involved making it, you know, I don't see the big wrap-up ending that you saw, like, with the original New Hope, and then even with the original three, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see them going, okay, and we've wrapped up everything, and it's done, and we'll never make one again. I, I just see 400 no, loose th- threads hanging out. And, but I think mm-hmm. that
1: what we'll get at this point a lot is is stories that... That pull yeah. away from mm-hmm. from this main line. Right, uh-huh. we're, d- we're departing from, yeah. from the main. We're done with Skywalkers at this point. The,
0: the Skywalkers and the Solos and the yeah. Yeah. all
3: of that. Yeah, yeah, except for the retconning episodes coming up. But, <laughs> um, <all the> <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah.
1: Um. On a, do we, we want to unspoiler this at this point? Are we good? Like, yeah, a lot went on. We saw space horses. We saw. Um, <laughs> we did not see any more Dark Ray, which just don't be fooled by Dark Ray yeah, no Dark, Ray. Yeah, Dark yeah. Ray's not a thing well I mean the other thing too is <laughs> Dark Ray's just, a lie.
3: just to add to it the fact that trailers are being made by companies not involved yeah. in the production of the sure. movie also true is strictly to put butts in seats well, yeah I it's mean like I don't even yeah. bother I mean
2: can you count it? I know like you know there's a good percentage of trailers I know I've seen where like there's an awesome scene in the trailer, yeah, it's not even and that. then it's it didn't make the final cut.
1: I will say, that's I do believe Twister, that the shot
2: <laughs> of a million
1: ships facing off against a million Actually, ships, I think, is almost about, definitely going to be there. Better fair be. enough. Fair uh, enough. That is, that's what I'm looking to see, is a million yeah. ships against a million ships. Yeah. Um, I'm, the I'm, original war that, game. That'll yes. be there. Right? I think it's going to be that Battle of Endor level, Return of the Jedi kind of space battle, which for me is like the gold But you have to ask the question,
3: will it be a trap? Always a trap. Oh, so the real question is what
2: planet killing weapon have the First Order Emperor?
3: We started with a Death Star, then we had a Death Planet. Well, no, we had Death Star, Death Star 2. We had most
1: of a second Death Star. That's true, true. All the Death important parts star the Super Death
3: Star, sorry.
2: Yeah. Then, then you had uh, Death Killer Planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm thinking Chain of Planets a la Doctor Who in a symmetrical formation. Uh- <laughs> 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 I
1: am curious if we will get something along the lines of, I think it was called the Star Forge in Knights of the Old oh, Republic, um, mm. because it seems like they have an awful lot of destroyers and ships, so what if they have some kind of super factory for just turning out stuff?
3: I'm going to go back to Traveler and go with, you know, spinal mounted railgun on a Imperial, you know, Carillion cruiser. Sure. Big Mazon cannon. That works. <laughs> Just to go for your your, your, your Traveler weaponry here. <laughs> I'm good with that. That's, that's a geek point. <laughs> spinal mounted Mazon cannon. <laughs>
1: uh, let's see. What else do we have going on in this trailer? Um, some running through jungly yeah. planets. Yeah. Some running, some booms, and things. Yeah, there's, there's, there's that. You've so got the whole. And there's there's that
2: fight on some sort of sh- half sunk ship. Yeah. Between... I, I hate
0: to be the girl, but I'm kind of curious about the whole kind of back and forth relationship with, with Ray
2: and Gilo. That was where I was going. I, yeah. We're like, as we yeah. are walking on the ship, and he's she's like, you know, they won't understand me. And he's
3: like, but I do. Oh, yeah. Reylo. I do. Oh. See, that's where I see the spin coming from. I just see something like, okay, everything else is done. We'll take these two characters and we'll go over here. Okay. I mean, is,
1: <laughs> it, is it just another cheers, will they, won't they kind of situation?
0: Yeah, it probably is a will they, won't they. And, I mean, they could go a lot of directions with that. And uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's an interesting path. And I think that, you know, if you stay true to the characters as they are right now, I don't know that there's redemption necessarily there, and I would—I think I would almost be disappointed if they were just all of a sudden they're in love and everything's okay. Right. But the conflict between that is—is is interesting to me. Well,
2: I mean, I mean, you, that, you like in Last Jedi when like he kills Snoke. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, um, what? You know, when, we're when, still when, in
0: the spoiler portion.
2: <laughs> um, you know when when he kills Snoke. And she's like, "Oh, okay, we can go, da da da." He's like, "No, we we can rule this together." <laughs> Kill the Snoke, become the Snoke. And she was, and you just saw a look in her face, like, "Oops,
4: ah, oh, so
2: you you can't be redeemed." Of course, you can't, because you killed your dad last last movie. I yeah, uh, think that would
3: be a little harder to get over, to you. Know? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, by the way, I'm, yeah,
1: I I just don't. You killed everybody's single favorite character. Everybody means me in this context. No, uh, me too. No, you're, so, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. We're all well there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there. I'm going to speak um, for everybody. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I, I just, yeah, if they do a full like, oh, I, I'm I'm now turning to the light. It's like, listen, I bought it when it was, you know, Vader, Anakin, you know, kind of seeing it there at the end. But... Yeah, but you have to die after you see the
3: light. Yeah, that's, right. That's, exactly. that's the point. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to, redemption for afterlife, not this life. You're going to this one up enough. Maybe he sees the lightning and she kills him. <laughs> there we go. Go for Game of Thrones Ooh, endings here. There we go. I love you. <laughs> if, if we want to move out of the
2: spoilers part, uh, that's a nice segue to Game of Thrones. Apparently Weiss and, <laughs> and Benioff, Benioff uh, have They're either quit, away. stepped away, fired, told to get walk-in, but they, they will not be doing a dimension. trilogy. So the rumor was, the the after after report rumor
1: Was that their story, their trilogy, if in fact that was what it was going to be, was going to focus on the origins of the Jedi. Um, That said, uh, their official answer was, oh, well, we signed this Netflix contract and we (laughs) don't have time to do a Netflix contract. And, you know, Star Wars movies, everybody's dream job. Um, On the side, though, I'm also hearing there were some creative difference issues.
2: Um yeah I, I saw I saw the official response yeah. which was of course you know we got the Netflix deal we can't do anything yeah.
3: translation Netflix where you don't have greater differences because they don't care yeah you do that <laughs> thing. do your um, own. <laughs> and good, and was bad
2: <laughs> I also read some things where there's basically folks inside Lucasfilms were like these guys really don't like know much of the Star Wars lore yeah they can't
1: Also to be fair and Apologies for you, big Game of Thrones, the HBO TV series fans, but I couldn't help but notice that as soon as they ran out of George Martin material, all of a sudden
2: things went off the rail real fast. Yeah, yeah, I, I there, there was some, yeah, if, if you're, if they were going to be creating Jedi lore from whole cloth, that's a scary proposition. A little bit. Yeah. Well,
3: I mean, it's very hard not to make a very one two-dimensional character of good people doing good thing i mean it, yeah. it, it, it's it's so easy to fall into the old tropes and actually not be able to fill out because i mean the one thing i saw with you know the middle three minus a bunch of things mm-hmm. was that they filled out the different personalities of the jedi you know you had yoda and win and you know you had different whole different sections not we are boilerplate you know police or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, and trying to come up with an origin story, you would have to come up with 10, 20, possibly more individual fully fleshed out characters have enough time to fill in their pseudo backstories. Did a a trilogy seemed a little short honestly to be, you know. Sure.
2: Yeah, sure. You
3: yeah. Know, I, I mean, mean, I could see a TV series based on it. And, I could see a mini series. And with maybe. Disney Plus. Why yeah. wouldn't I?
2: Like, honestly, if if I'm disney lucas films marvel honestly why am i going to spend yeah. you know hundreds of millions of dollars to make a two hour two and a half hour movie yeah. when i could make for maybe the same amount maybe a little less mm-hmm. a 10 episode one yeah. hour each so a 10 hour movie mm-hmm for my subscription service. I, you know, it's all going that
3: way. And you have
1: so much exclusivity to it and control over it. Right. And and,
3: and the, and the, the production cost of a TV show is infinitely less than a movie, even with the same special effects these days.
1: Also, also in, in 2019 and in in our current era that we are living in right now, Mm -hmm. the very painful, hard reality is it's harder to sell people butts and seats in theaters on Star Wars yep. than on Marvel movies. Marvel movies, they're making money hand over mm-hmm. fist. Star Wars is not resonating with a younger generation the way it used to. Not in the same way. Yeah. Are there people? Yes, of course. Um, you know, my kids love Star Wars. But, I mean, that's largely because I love Star Wars. Does yeah, the you general raised them right. right. And, <laughs> and hitting
3: them with a stick had nothing to do with it. Well, <laughs> you, know, you will like this. <laughs> just
1: to improve morale. Um, but, you know, it doesn't resonate with people the same way uh, for the most part with the general masses. Mm-hmm. It has its its echo chamber of people, but it's not hitting very far outside of that at this point, mm-hmm. as the last couple of movies have kind of shown us. So, yeah, it probably is a much better idea for them to do Disney Plus stuff.
2: So, so what gets me is, like, they have been doing, though, like the Rebels show and then there's a Resistance cartoon. How are they not doing using their animated properties Mm -hmm. to hook kids in. That's where it's like... It's mind-blowing. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, I I know as, like, you know, as a kid, my offering for Saturday morning cartoons for Star Wars was a really bad R2-D2-3PO droids. 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 Oh, yeah. Cartoon. Um, Or you had those two TV movie, Ewok movies... (laughs)
1: <laughs> and an Ewok's cartoon.
2: And an Ewok's cartoon. Um, you know, I would have killed for a, you know, Rebels or Resistance or Or the Clone forthcoming Wars. Mandalorian. The, well, mm. I'm just talking I'm hoping, animated. I have hope for that. Yeah. No, no, actually, I have hope for I'm that. just talking animated. I'm not sure. talking about actual TV series. Listen, actual TV series.
1: Most live action at this point is half animated. See, here's, here's my problem.
3: <laughs> here's my problem is that in the midst of the fervor of the first three, I lived through the horror of the Wookiee Christmas special (laughs) when it came on the first time as a child. So I really worry about this. You know, the horse died a long time ago, and we're still going for it. Um, Okay, you've got the main nine. Okay, great. You've got this huge world. If you don't have some fairly good people kind of holding onto the reins of, I hate to say canon, but some version of canon. Yeah and going okay here's the box you can work in don't go out that box because we saw this with a lot of other shows where everything's going great we're going down this line and now we're just going to go 90 degrees to the left somewhere and add something that changes you know complete retconning of history or just a new thing that we've always been able to do that we just decided not to and it would have saved our lives episodes ago
2: i mean (laughs) for good or bad i mean i i know a lot of folks uh have opinions about during the expanded universe novels period George Lucas was at the end of the day the final word on what mm-hmm. you could do mm-hmm. you know um, you know it's a, I, I think I mentioned last week uh, Ari Salvatore wrote uh, the New Jedi wrote some of the New Jedi series and he wrote the first book of the series Vector Prime an original uh, uh, Apocrypha is he wanted to kill cake point um, <laughs> he wanted to kill one of the main three Mm-hmm. And Lucas came back with, "No, you can take Chewie, but that's that's in a- a
0: vector Prime that they did
1: that." Yeah, yeah, I remember that happening.
2: Didn't. I just couldn't remember what book. Sorry, uh, Kayla. Just no, no, It Doesn't happen. Didn't happen. La,
0: didn't. la 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 Nobody gets to kill Chewie. Chewie lives forever. Um, oh yeah. Spoiler alert. alert.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as evident by the first line.
3: <laughs> um,
2: but I mean, it's you know, Lucas was the gatekeeper. You know, mm-hmm. was the lore keeper for. That and he had, you know, he had final word. That's where you get a little worried with, you know, with with the Disney takeover and Lucas mm-hmm. Films and all that. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy right now is sort of the that that figurehead, but she's supposed to be stepping down soon anyway. Yeah,
1: they don't have a central yeah. central brain, you know. They're yeah. Like even even in the, the capacity guardian that, like, of lore, Kevin Feige has <laughs> been <laughs> doing. i want for, that on a business card. I am guardian
2: of lore. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you're, you're right. Kevin Feige's been doing that for, uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, actually, he was doing that for. I mean, even with the tie-ins to the, to the TV stuff. I mean, he was. You know, he made sure that you know the Netflix Marvel shows tied into and. Yeah you know all the extended stuff.
1: So the answer to this is when Kathleen Kennedy steps down, Pablo Hidalgo, who has done all of their television stuff really is the guy who needs to step up and and take that role because I feel like Pablo Hidalgo is a guy who is like Disney's that,
0: that's a Pete geek point yeah. Star Wars, right Wars lore master
3: yeah. or somebody we've never heard of who has simply immersed their life into this lore. There sure. Yeah, and that's, that's the other side. It's just somebody who's not an executive, who's not driven by a bottom line, who is a guy in the rank and file going, I keep lore. Yeah, you yeah. You know, I've got the big encyclopedia, and I have taken notes on everything, and I will look at something and go, here's why that doesn't work. Let me pull that reference out.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that that, that was sort of the Jeff John. That's the Jeff Johns' <laughs> role at DC Comics.
3: That's the Tom Bevrood uh, <laughs> role at Marvel. Wait a minute! No, you can't kill someone in the TARDIS. Well, now yeah. you can, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I okay. Mean, so
0: I've just geek pointed all three of you for that. No, <laughs> exactly. That was like one, two, three, right down the line. When
1: everybody gets a geek point, no one does. <laughs> no, no, everybody.
2: We didn't no, give,
0: because you guys get a geek and Kayla doesn't. Oh, so. well, I gave you one earlier. Yeah, yeah I got know, one. I always I get know, one a show. It's good, no. you know.
2: Um. The. Uh, Continuing on with some other news, uh,
3: we'll get through this.
2: Game of Thrones prequel series, House of Dragons. House of dragons. has been approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about the the early Targaryens.
1: It's about a house and it's about some dragons. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And those
3: dragons in the house.
1: I want dragons, but not in on the couch. House. Off,
2: off! Get down,
1: get oh. down! Off that couch. Oh, got, oh it's got, Look at
3: look oh, what it dragged man. in, man. <laughs> <laughs> It dragged in a (laughs) stark
1: that is not coming off the
3: couch but it's a gift it means he likes you
2: (laughs) see dragons see us as big dumb scaleless babies and it's just trying to teach us how to hunt Mm
1: -hmm. he's he's trying to feed us he's oh he's he's shoving that stark into my mouth it's in my mouth
2: No, oh. There's only one. There's only one problem with that is when the dragon tries to teach you. Did you leave the, the windows open?
1: <laughs> it's like I just ate a mouthful of copper pennies. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know how I know that. I don't know.
2: I just. I. That's what I hear. I heard. I don't I know. I'm out of that. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm just. I'm just. When the dragon tries to teach you how to breathe fire. Oh. No, just, you know, Okay. Who
3: left the window open? Dragons got out. You get no. to go find them. Oh no! Oh, no. no, 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 no. I gotta make posters. No. Oh. <laughs> just. <yeah. laughs> Reward. <laughs> did reward? Did it have its collar on?
0: Yeah. Uh, How do you check a chip on that? I was yeah. gonna say, <laughs> you got a chip on. got um, chip, them. Yeah. You chip them today.
3: You got to call the you know the dragon pound. <laughs> did you it. find <laughs> him? Yeah. He had
1: his
0: shots. I promise.
1: <laughs> oh he answers to the
3: name Rothor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> ate the neighbor stage. again. You know, one more time, we're gonna have a problem. You know? <laughs>
1: But he's, oh just he's just a baby. Oh. He's I harmless. he's a fight with a raccoon. <laughs> oh, We're we have to take run. Rothor behind the shed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez!
2: What what happened to Rothor Well, we had to take him to North Valeria, yeah, it's, and he's living like, on a he's living on a beautiful farm in North Valeria. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of room to run yeah. around, sky to oh. fly, oh, all
3: it's the cows via more. the Rainbow Bridge. Yes. <laughs> All the cows he wants to eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so,
1: uh, oh, Kayla's, Kayla's going to go. huh. put that
0: one back on the rails. Huh. We got about a quarter of a way through John's life <laughs> in this episode. <laughs>
3: Because again, I'm old. <laughs>
0: Not <laughs> that much older than us, but uh, work
3: our way towards
1: a part two.
0: Right, yeah. we may have to work our way towards a part two because, oh, like, be we fun. got like the we got a history. We got this beautiful history of of D and D and gaming in the beginning from John, but I happen to know that there's so much more, <laughs> so much more geek to John um, uh, that yeah. that I'd love to at some point yeah. revisit if you're willing to come yeah. back and we'll kind of pick up where we left off and talk about all the other crazy stuff we do. When you do and
3: didn't take much bribing either in the first place. So. Cool,
2: <laughs> that's good because we got a limited bribe budget. Seriously, I understand. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I got you covered on this one. It's okay. Good. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh. Um, any other news? Uh, I just have one other very brief order of business. Um, There's nobody here for me to relate this to, uh, but on video game news, um, I have been playing the brand new The Outer Worlds from Obsidian, Hmm. uh, makers of Fallout New Vegas, um, and uh, just my quick two cents on it, because it's so rare that I get to review a new game right after it comes out, because I'm very, very poor. Um, But that game happened to also come to Xbox's Game Pass system, which is their uh, streaming service of video games uh it it dropped there on on release day so i've been playing it since release day and uh i enjoy it quite a bit for those of you who are familiar with the fallout series um i would say it is not quite as deep and dense as the fallout games there's not quite as much in there uh but it's beautiful it's a gorgeously beautifully designed game it is very much this is particularly why i wanted to mention it here and now for those of us who are Firefly fans, fans of Joss Whedon's uh, space
3: cowboy um, yeah. adventure, you know, haven't made a single Firefly reference tonight. That's crazy. How is that possible? Right, that we have not two,
1: had a lot of Firefly references on this show. Two
3: hours have gone by, and nobody that. has made. Well, a fixed. Consider it fixed.
1: Okay, okay. Outer <laughs> Worlds is clearly. A love letter to um, fans of Firefly. It is very, very, very Firefly-esque. It has a a feeling that feels very like late 1800s, early 1900s kind of look and and, um, aesthetic to it, while at the same time being absolutely like a space opera that deals with issues like uh, the over-corporatization and materialism of, of our lives. Um, it's good. It's fun. It's worth it, especially if you are on, say, uh, Microsoft's uh, Xbox's $10 a month uh, yeah. game pass system. I think it's worth it. Um, I've certainly gotten my money out of it. Uh, if you are full on buying the game, I, I might wait until there's a price cut. You, a lot of the time you can find a discount on Amazon or something like that. If you can get it for cheap, get it for cheap. Um, but it's fun. Um, my review at this point is, is I'm liking it. it. It could have a little bit more going on to it. Um, there could be a little bit more in there, but it looks beautiful, and there's a lot to be said for that.
0: Awesome, thank you. There you go.
1: Thank
2: you. Ta-da! All right, Uh, so we've been going a bit. We're a little on the long side, so let's uh, go to to the the big
3: board. Dun dun dun! Dun, dun, dun. All right. Wow.
1: (laughs) Did I even show up tonight? Was I even here?
2: (laughs) 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 Um. So it looks like. We're gonna go, we're gonna go bottom to top. Uh, we've got Kayla with All her right. single point.
0: My one single point, like always. Pete, hey,
2: knocking the rust off after uh, being out a week. Yeah, four. Oh, I, I I come in with a healthy eleven, but the winner this week, <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> <So>. <laughs> geekiest, is Big John with twelve. <laughs> Woo! Big John with twelve. Big John! So Oof, the uh the, the tradition is, uh, as the winner, you get to plug anything you want. Um, you know, where can people find you? Things you projects you want people to support, anything like that.
1: I will just remind you about um you started to give a shout out to Yeah, yeah whoever
3: that was. Yeah. Like, as I said, I really I'm not in the gaming industry. I am most of an engineer that builds widgets, but if you ever think of vid- widgets I should build, please send the ideas. I love them. <laughs> Yay, widget building. Widget building, all sorts of strange. of you it. Know, but I did want to put a shout out to the Square Off crew on Kickstarter. I will get you a link for that. Uh, they build the chessboard that can play with anybody in the world live. Um, their new version, which they're Kickstarting right now, is not only an improved version of that, but one that plays many, many different games. And they're adding more to it.
4: That's so, okay.
3: and it's it's got a little robotic arm underneath with magnets, and they have little stickers you can put on pieces, and it'll play whatever game you want against anyone who's not there through the internet.
0: I love that it's an actual physical it's thing. It's a physical board, and you it's know? a nice
3: board. It's a well-made board. It's We've seen a few of these that go back that are kind of cheesy little plastic thing. This is a nice competition chess board, and the new one is their, their travel one. They have a, a new competition board, and they have a new one that's more of the travel board Neat. that has all the games on it. And it's a little bit more portable. And we live in the future. Seriously. Yes. Yes. I'd
0: love for you to send us a picture of that if you could yeah, when cool. you get home. Yeah.
2: All right. People want to follow you on anything, any socials you want to be found on? or
3: <laughs> I, I have a Twitter under Big John because right. that's me. Um, yes, it has a picture of a stuffed Linux penguin on top of my mainframe. <laughs> 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 yes, I have a Z9 mainframe in my living room google it it's fun okay that's um, like that's
0: that's we do this every once in a while you already won but i'm still giving you another key that, yes i, I am one cool. of
3: i believe it is now five people in the u.s that own a ibm mainframe at home don't nice. ask about my power bill um <laughs> twin 50 amp twice by phases um that's all, right. all
2: i got all right uh, all right Kayla where can you be found on the interwebs
0: I can be found on Twitter which is where I got my fan art from thank you again Cass that picture was amazing um at uh Hawk underscore Kayla um I I'm not great with Twitter but I will try to you know Joe tells me when there's something on it so I look at it uh Um, you can also find me at, uh, all of our thrift store stuff. Um, secondhand goddess on just about everything. Um, we, uh, we have a little thrift store in downtown Davie. Please come see us if you can. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and we're doing a lot of really good work to support, uh, different communities in a lot of different ways. Um, and of course, as always, you can find me as Jade on Not Safer Wizards.
2: Pete, where can we find you?
1: Joe, you go first.
3: Joe, you go first. I had one to add though. What? There's a project that I've been trying to get to, and by saying it, I will make it real.
0: There you go. Do
1: it.
3: There's a second, second Twitter feed called Big John's Fridge, and is the automated Twitter feed of my outside refrigerator. Oh, yes. <laughs> which, if anybody knows my garage, yeah. It is the Twitter feed of my outdoor refrigerator, which is where we game, where we hang out, I don't everything. know
1: what that means, but that sounds amazing.
3: Yes. It, it, do it. It's, it's going to get interesting. We're not sure everything it's going to do, but it's going to at least record, you know, things going on inside the fridge, when the fridge is open, when the fridge is closed, and it will probably start recording things going on around the fridge. Oh, boy. So, Jeez. yes. <laughs> yes. Don't know how far we're going to take this, but it's one of those. I registered the account. It's there. I have been meaning to get to it. So now I've said it. It's out there. I have, have to do it. Uh, Gotta
2: do it. I'm going to have to link that in the show notes. So. There you go. Big yep, John's yep. fridge.
3: Big John's fridge. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, you you want me to
2: yeah you go first okay Um, so you can find me on twitter at demorgas you can find the show at the geekiest pod on twitter instagram facebook I think that's about it Uh, as well I am the DM for the not safe for wizards show and uh, I think that's about it Pete
1: okay so you can find me on twitter I am at the it's just Pete um I will um be making an email account specifically for the show. I will probably be doing that tomorrow and I will make sure we get that on the show notes Woo! because I want to be able to interact with people directly if you guys have questions. <laughs> uh if you want to consider it like the show mailbox, whatever. Uh questions for the show, comments for the show, for us. We well, you, you know we do have I know we do, but the I don't geekiest want an email because sometimes people email. just want to talk to me. Okay. Literally yeah. nobody wants to talk to just me. <laughs> but The option is there, especially with the thing coming up. um, I wanted to be able to do that for the fact that I will also be going around and chatting with people and doing theoretically embarrassing things. Um, So if anybody wants to hit me up on that, I will make sure that I have an email address available Uh, via the show notes by the time this show drops on Thursday. Peak fans. Additionally, uh, you can generally find me playing Orion on Not Safe for Wizards and currently playing Hobgoblin Mord on Not Safe for Wizards. I just (laughs) wanted to make sure that I put that in uh, since I've been Mord the last couple of weeks. Um, And I do want to give a shout out, which is why I wanted to go last, and I'm going to be super weird and sappy and sentimental here. Joe, I want to give a shout out to you. Because, Joe, you've made all of this happen. Really, Joe and Kayla, both of you, make this happen. Kayla, you get people in here. You get these guests in here. This wouldn't be a thing without the two of you and your tireless efforts. And I think that the, the, the adventures that we have coming up are super fascinating. I hope that you guys are going to be, not you two, but our listening audience, I hope we will continue to be a listening audience and be tuning in and telling your friends and getting your friends to tune in because we're going to be doing some really cool, exciting things and we would like for all of you out there in podcast land to become a part of that and to be an active an involved member of this geekiest family. Um, so write us and and comment to us, and um, you know com- comment on our, our Twitter posts, whether it's mine, whether it's the Geekiest's, whether it's the Not Safer Wizards. Um, because Joe and Kayla, you guys do so much day in, day out, seven days a week, every day. Um, you're doing stuff even the days that like, you guys out there in podcast land aren't necessarily seeing an episode drop, or seeing a tweet hit the tweet waves. Uh, or an Instagram, or a YouTube, um, which is, I think, a thing that that gets uh, neglected in mentioning, is that there's the YouTube page also. Yes. Um, And that stuff doesn't just happen. That stuff doesn't... I mean, I don't know how automated the fridge is, um, but... I'll tell you, I know that the geekiest is 100% not automated, um, and everything that you see, every piece of, of material that goes out there is it goes out there because one of the two of you took the time and the effort to make that happen. Uh, Joe editing the shows every week, uh, Kayla working on getting getting butts and seats here uh, sitting across from me. Uh, giving me very intimidating looks. Um, All I can say
3: is there was rope involved. <laughs> 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 there were no complaints from me. I mm. haven't moved an inch and <laughs> comfortable
1: yet restrained, which I think is what their goal was. Um, but I just, yeah, I just wanted to take a minute to to really give credit where credit is due oh, that you guys you have made me. this incredible, crazy mm-hmm. experiment uh, happen. And it's I consider myself so incredibly lucky to have been a part of this. And I also have some interesting things that hopefully we'll we'll have some announcements coming soon uh, for those of you out there. Uh, this, this this amazing Armored Bear Productions situation uh has more coming down the pipe so yep. you guys out there you are on the front lines and you're going to be hearing about it as it comes up and you'll mm-hmm. be able to say i was there when uh and i was i was there from the point at which they were talking about the hulk and dr manhattan's penises um <laughs> i hope you're because you were there. who hasn't if, I, <laughs> if, really. if you don't know what i was talking what i'm talking about go Get yourself back to to episode one and and start at the beginning. It's not Mm -hmm. too late. Work your way through. I know these episodes seem to get longer and longer, but, you know, all the more reason not to procrastinate. Uh, So, yeah,
0: that's my two cents.
2: Thank you, Pete. Thank Thank you you I really appreciate that.
0: And we couldn't do it without you. You are a great inspiration. And like Pete said, there's some really cool stuff coming up that is going to showcase more and more of the talent of the people involved. And our crew is growing. And Armored Bear is growing. And it is becoming this really cool, wonderful thing. And every person involved has been amazing. Uh,
2: Just want to remind everybody, uh, next Monday on the... The 11th, the 11th, it's Veterans Day. Uh, Veterans Day, we will be recording at uh, Flynn's Arcade. Um, and they will be doing a live cast of the show on their Facebook and YouTube. Um, so you'll actually get to see us in uh, living color, as I used to say. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course, we'll also be recording this. So if you want to just listen to it in podcast, if you can't get on at that time. Uh, So that's that's that for next week. Uh, We will keep you updated whether or not Flynn's is going to actually be open for customers. If it is, we would definitely love any of our local fans to stop on in say hello i would like it if some of our international fans stopped in and said hello
0: <laughs> that would be great
2: that is yeah i mean we do don't have, exclude them joe i i'm i was just try, trying to be budget conscious <laughs> we have fans you know, we inter-dimensional have interdimensional friends interdimensional yeah, listeners you know, you know. Yeah. well according to anchor we don't have any fans not originating on earth
1: i'm not sure they're tracking those metrics
2: yeah. About no, they a they they do have which planet. Oh, right, fair, enough. Um, fair enough. But you know, if our fan in Japan or uh, in Australia wants to come, <laughs> they definitely can. The British Isles. Yes, the British Isles or or Italy. Bonjour. Okay. To all Wrong. of you. No. So wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I just want to thank everybody for listening this week. I know we're going really long. I just want to thank everybody for listening this week, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. <laughs> hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great. But hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be, Share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.